The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com Welcome, boys and ghouls. It's time once again to kick open the old mausoleum door and see what climbs out. Clawing his way out of a fetid grave is Drew, a.k.a. Rabid Badger. Pull up a slab with Jim Millspaw in his award-winning role as the Professor of Torture, Meat Hook Jim. Jason Storm is here as fan favorite, gothic commentator, Storm. Do you smell something burning? It must be Salem's favorite old crone, Jonna Summers. <laughs> now light a torch, grab your pitchfork, and make like a bunch of terrified villagers. You found another episode of The Big Scary Show! <laughs> It's almost time for that very special holiday where that big hairy guy visits all the children of the world to give them their just rewards. Of course, we're talking about Krampus, the Christmas demon who mets out punishment to all the naughty children. Krampusnacht is December 5th, and the Big Scary Show is celebrating the fact that the Krampus has gained a permanent foothold in American culture, especially in the haunt industry. In addition, IAPA was going on this past week in Orlando, and the Big Scary Show was there talking to vendors and seeing all the cool new things you'll see at the amusement parks and attractions next year. Storm is ranting about drunk Bigfoots in Rhode Island on Halloween night in a haunt minute. Meat Hook Jim discusses executions in the 20th century in Between the Corpses. Old Crone visits with paranormal investigators at a haunted attraction in an actual mortuary. Do we have a gruesome giveaway for November? Stay tuned to find out. And finally, we're spinning some rockin' tunes to help you cope with any lingering post-Halloween depression. Now, the Roundtable of Terror features none other than Dare Krampus himself. We bring in a trio of guests who run Krampus societies and events throughout this time of year. Hopefully there's something Krampus-related coming to a town or haunted attraction near you this season. If so, get out and support them. All this and much, much more. We hid the body, but you'll become an accomplice just by listening to The Big Scary Show. Would you sign your own death certificate? You must before you witness the electrifying night of the living dead and blood and black lace. You must free the theater from responsibility should your heart stop. Paralyzed in fright from the 12 deadly hours of the night of the living dead. Where strange, incredulous molecular mutation incites cadavers to arise live from their coffins to devour all human flesh. 
and the House of Horror, the House of Blood and Black Lace, a chic French fashion salon where seven breathtaking models will find their hideous diabolical end. Night of the Living Dead, together with Blood and Black Lace, a, a terrifying, terrifying evening, evening with, with the, the Undead. undead. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live on the road at IAPA in Orlando, Florida. We're having a great time. Just walked in the doors, and what do I see? I see a ton of pumpkins, jack-o'-lanterns, flowers made of what look like... I don't know what these are, but they're really cool. Lots and lots of really cool carved foam lit up. Some of them are not. Some of them are just awesome. It is Jack-O-Lantern Journey. We talked to them last year. We're back to find out some of the new stuff. We got Debbie Katz here. How are you? I am so happy to be here back at IAPA and very happy to be talking with you, Drew. Oh, you're very kind. Um, we talked last year. You, you have a lot of foam work. You have the Ghoulies, or the, the Gordies, sorry, the Gordies family. And lots of cool stuff out here. I just did a little scavenger hunt on your page, on your uh, wall panel over here. It's kind of neat. Tell us what's new with uh, Jack-O-Lantern Journeys this year. So we had about, we had an awesome season. We had about six huge shows out, and then we worked in a couple of museums and a couple of, um, a couple of zoos and a couple of theme parks, so it was, it was awesome. What's new is that we just keep on expanding our different scenes, our different themes. So inside you see a pretty cool Kraken, you know, in there. Um, and also super cool is now we have this augmented reality experience. So our jack-o'-lanterns and our Gordies in particular can now come to life, whether it's through a mural or whether it's through a interactive kind of scavenger hunt in your event. So we, we just keep on growing. We have more different kind of flowers, more dragonflies now. We've added a little hummingbird. We keep on adding and adding more amazing daytime and nighttime pumpkin sculptures. And this, a lot of this is just very family friendly. It's really cool to look at. It's really cool to stroll through. And like you said, zoos and, and other big in, big places like that are using these. Are, are smaller, like haunted attractions, buying your things? Because it looks like you can carve just about anything. So we've kind of turned pumpkining into a verb. We can pumpkin just about anything that I'll have to put in some, you know, protected IP somewhere at some point. <laughs> but yes, we, we work from the haunts, some of the, I would call them smaller but very important customers, all the way up to folks like, let's say, Dollywood and things like that. So there's no project that's too small and no project that's let too large. Sometimes we're... Um, decorating an entire half mile trail and not just decorating but we're making this interactive experience sometimes we're creating a huge photo opportunity for a specific space that they might need um, whether it's again a zoo, a municipality lots and lots of work with the agritainment, the farms um, aquariums uh, baseball parks Like the list and list goes on and on and on and nothing is off the table as far as customization. You just have to provide a template and you can create that or a photo or how does that work? So that's what makes us uber special. We create everything in-house and we're still doing it with our carvers who are coming in. Some of the most talented artists, I think, in the... Actually, we have some international artists now who have come who have um, access to work with us who are, you know, award-winning artists in their own right. 
So they've lent us their talents now to be able to carve and to be able to sculpt and to be able to just do things at a scale that you're not going to see anywhere else, anywhere. So, so no laser machining. This is all hand carved. This is this is really good. So you're literally getting a one-of-a-kind piece because I, I can't assume they make the exact same thing twice. Every time you get a piece, it's a one-of-a-kind piece, and that's because we want everything to have a slight difference. It looks a little bit handmade. They're all made right here in America. In fact, we have our own line of pumpkins that's made right here in America. We, we actually manufacture our own, own foam pumpkins that we then use to create these displays. Um, it's proprietary, so we only use it for ourselves at this moment, but sure. that's how we do it. And I also want to share that we do do lot, lots of live pumpkin carving as well. So all of our artists do pumpkin carving, ice carving, and we have a whole line of snowy stuff as well, for those of you interested in some of the more holiday Christmas kind of stuff. Very nice. So so when you say pumpkin carving, are you talking about the foam, or are you, are you able to use real pumpkins in that oh, case? Oh, Drew, we do real pumpkins too. We actually had a show this year where we had a big thing with pumpkin carve-offs. So we orchestrated a bunch of different artists to come in, and one pumpkin carver was going off against another pumpkin carver, and we made it into an entire spectacle. And then we had people decorating pumpkins, and we had uh, MC and dancing, and it was it was it was huge. It was tons and tons of fun. So there's not just the photo, the prop side of what we do. There's also the live entertainment piece of what we do, and we've really been able to take that pumpkin carving and elevate it into an entertainment factor at this point with our with our pumpkin carving show that we do in the pumpkin village well it sounds like it's just a delightful thing to watch in person unfortunately i did not see a carve off this year hopefully next year i'll look for one but for people wanting more information about jack-o'-lantern journey which is based out of new york but you you ship everywhere and you know with websites and social medias how can people get more information maybe they'd like some of your carvers to come out and do a carve off or if you have a custom piece that you're interested in, you know, baby pictures to monsters to whatever, maybe your custom character at your haunt needs his own line of jack-o'-lanterns or her, how would people get that information? Well, you would go to www.jackolanternjourney.com and you would just reach out to us. There's a contact us page right there. You can ask for me, Debbie. Also, since you, I know that you talk to a lot of the haunters, just want to put a plug in there. We're finding a lot of the haunts that are actually branching out and putting a family-friendly element into their haunts. We did a lot of that. We started with a lot of that last year, but we're seeing a lot of haunters now who are saying, hmm, maybe there's something to this family-friendly piece. And love that. Love to be able to work with the, the haunting haunting folks and be able to add a second attraction of some family-friendly stuff so you can actually double your revenue, Hunters, and make some more money and have the kids be able to also enjoy what you're doing. So happy to work with you guys in that regard as well. It's uh, it's a big thing now. Everybody's doing a daytime event or a no-scare event where the yes. kids can walk through, and they become the next generation of Hunters yes. as opposed to being terrified and never showing up with you know, whatever. We, we did a show on this recently. So yes. jack-o'-lantern-journey-singular.com. Ask for Debbie. She'll set you right up, Debbie Katz. It's a pleasure to have you here on the Big Scary Show. Wish you nothing but success. And we'll see you at Transworld, right? Um, most, almost definitely yes. 
<laughs> it's still a little early to plan, but we, we hope we do. We'll be so. there. We'll be there at Transworld. I'm Excellent. sure we'll be there at Transworld. The truth is we're getting super, super booked and super busy. We're very popular. But, um, you know, love Transworld, love my haunting friends, and love the peeps who go to Transworld in general. So one of our favorite shows for sure. Fantastic. Debbie Katz is the owner of Jack-O-Lantern Journey up in New York. Go check them out, folks. It is a lot of fun, and we hope to see a lot more stuff out here, not only at the Jack-O-Lantern Journey booth, but here in Iapa and Orlando, Florida. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we're out. Looking to step up your costume? CFX products perform in every environment. Film, haunted attractions, stage shows, theme parks, cosplay, and good old-fashioned Halloween. Created for realism and comfort from the number one company leading the industry for over 16 years, a CFX silicone mask isn't finished until you put it on. Whatever your needs, CFX has you covered with silicone. And once you put it on, you too will agree that a CFX mask will be the most comfortable rubber you'll ever wear. Find your new face today at cfxmasks.com, cfxmasks.com. Midnight Syndicate, Krampus, on The Big Scary Show.
is the old crone, and I'm sitting here with paranormal investigator extraordinaire David Glidden, and we are here at Carpenter's Mortuary that was an actual mortuary, but we're here for part of the Midwest Mystery Tour. Hi, David. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, I've been investigating for a long time, and uh, coming here last year, we had some awesome experiences. And, you know, as things go, you get a wild hair up your butt. It's like, hey, let's, let's plan something new and something fresh and different. And I've gone on several investigation events where it's all the same, it's cookie cutter. And I've never been that kind of guy. I always like to do things different. And uh, I figured I would just set up a tour where I could p allow people to come and join me and experience the way I investigate and things that I like to do on investigations and give people a new perspective on the paranormal. Now, what was it about Carpenter's Mortuary that brought you back to this particular spot? Um, well, with Carpenter's Mortuary, uh, I was tipped off by a friend about this place, and I contacted Charlie. We set up an investigation. We came out and we filmed my show, Haunting History, here. And we had so much activity, we ended up splitting it into two episodes, but like the activity we had was very peculiar, uh, in the sense that it was mostly audible. Like, we heard audible voices throughout the building, and not just once, but multiple times. And it was seemingly the same female voice, and part of the reason I wanted to come back here is kind of get to the bottom of that. Uh, and as far as the tour, hosting the tour event here, I think a place that's going to be active like that, I think, is a place that needs to be explored and enjoyed. And I know Charlie's open to having that kind of environment here, so... Um, we just kind of decided to work together on this, and um, hopefully we can bring some attention to the place, because I, I'm a history buff. I want people to pay attention to historical places. This is a historical place that's in people's backyards. They don't know about it. It's outside of the haunt, like the attraction. So maybe this will help garner some attention. So how many people are we expecting tonight? Uh, we have 11 people investigating tonight. I've never met any of these people, so it's not like a bunch of my friends are just coming over. So I'm, right. I'm very interested to see how many people, or what the uh, uh, outlook is and how everybody differentiates the paranormal. Now, I have been on ghost hunts before, but they were huge numbers of people, mm -hmm. um, upwards of 200 people, yeah. that they break into groups. And one of the things I noticed during the evening was the activity got less and less, almost like there were so many people and it was just zapping the ghost energy. Right. I like that you're doing a small group. So are all of your tours like that, smaller groups? We max out at 15. Okay. Um, the reason I do small groups is because on the Midwest Mystery Tour, part of the mystery to it is I'm doing experiments. And people that are joining are participating in the experiments, but they don't know what the experiment is. Well, that's really cool. Well, I'm old and I can't hang with you guys um, that late. But what you're really doing that I found cool and allowed me to come is you're doing like a presentation beforehand. Yes. Uh, you'll be introduced to myself, Josh, our, Josh Hurd, our guest. Um, we'll, just, we'll talk about our uh, interest into the paranormal, how we got into it. Uh, we'll have Charlie talk about the history of the building. I'll talk about the haunting and a little bit what we captured. And then we'll open it up to inform everybody of what they're going to be getting into for tonight's investigation. All my experiments on this tour are psychological and physiological. And one of the things that, you know, I always preach about is have your emotions in check before going on an investigation. Correct. If you think about, like, a situation where you walk into a room and people are fighting, you feel that tension. 
When people are angry, you don't want to be around those people. So, uh, energy is a very strong thing. Our emotions create energy. Okay. And what we're going to do tonight is create some energy for the environment. And to do that, we're going to run the haunted house attraction and put people through it uh, two at a time to get that fear level up. Fear very is cool. a very powerful energy. Um, and that's just to kick off the night. Um, we also have like a communication experiment we're going to try. A lot of people see the Estes method on TV. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people try the Estes method. But what we're going to do is basically the Estes method plus one, where we have two people in separate parts of the building running the Estes method. And we're going to be at a different location. Everybody's going to be asking questions from another place, monitoring both the uh, participants and see if we can get one of them to answer our questions. So it's not like just one, we're, we're amplifying a little bit. That is very cool. So yes, this is going to be airing after this event, but it's a tour. So where are yeah. you going to be next? Where, where can people find out where you're going to be? We are actually wrapping up the tour with this one. Okay. Uh, we just did Malvern Manor, uh, the Ray County Museum, uh, the Thomas Building in Leavenworth. In fact, one of our guests has been to three of the locations. Um, we did a small tour this year. I've been asked about tours for or locations and dates for next year. I haven't set anything up yet, but the response I've been getting from this tour, I'm leaning towards doing another one, and I will let everybody know in the springtime. Okay, great. So there are a lot of haunted attractions that are actually in old buildings mm-hmm. that are probably haunted. So if they wanted to get a hold of you to possibly have you come and investigate them, where where would they get a hold of you? And then also you could email me at hauntinghistory2015 at gmail.com. Hey, this is Chris Markgraf from Froggy's Fog, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, one of our longtime friends in the industry. Broadcasting to you from the darkest regions of the Earth, this is A Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so there's always some sort of weird happenings or going-ons for Halloween. And uh, this year, I gotta say, one of the weirdest ones happened right by me, just across the bay in Rhode Island, in Barrington, Rhode Island. Now, Barrington is one of the more, uh, shall we call it, affluent neighborhoods. Uh, you know, it's it's a home of your Karens. It's got some people who, you know, think they got uh, a little bit of cash and they can do anything. Well, this included one guy who decided to join some trick-or-treaters. So apparently, Halloween night, there's a group of trick-or-treaters, both adults and kids, and they're out there, and suddenly, a Bigfoot joined them with trick-or-treating. Now, fortunately, it wasn't an actual, you know, Bigfoot. It was a guy dressed in a Bigfoot costume. And, you know, this might not be too, too weird. I mean, that's all something we've thought of doing, going out as a clown or a monster or something joining trick-or-treatings, joining a crowd, and, you know, getting the extra scares, laughs, and fun. Unfortunately, this guy was completely sloshed. Completely, totally drunk. Making the group feel uh, quite uneasy. And don't know exactly what was going on or what he is doing, but uh, they ended up calling the police on him. Uh, The guy was just so blasted out of his mind, walking around in a Bigfoot costume, on... 
Halloween, while trick-or-treating, that the cops actually called uh, an ambulance, and the guy had to be taken to the hospital. Don't have any more information on it. You know, probably, you know, if if he's lucky, he probably got his stomach pumped or anything. But, uh, you know, love Halloween, love having fun, but... You know, th- there is a limit, and uh, getting completely drunk that your neighbors are calling police on you because you're running around in your Bigfoot costume scaring the hell out of people the wrong way, that's that's one way to do it. So watch out for your fellow haunters. Watch out for each other. Make sure you don't cross the line. You know, you can costume, you can scare, and, you know, depending on it, you know, a drink or two afterwards. But, um, you know, just watch out for each other while we're out there. You know, the industry's scary enough. Don't make it scary the wrong ways yourself. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. (laughs) See you soon at vfxcreates.com Music by Midnight Syndicate Hi, this is Debbie Katz from Jack-O-Lantern Journey, located in Peekskill, New York, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live at IAPA in Orlando, Florida, and you can't walk in the main doors here without running into our very fine sponsor, Froggy's Fog. They are throwing the fog out there, throwing the fobbles out there, throwing all the cool stuff. We were honored to be here last year when they debuted the Thanos gun. Apparently that's done very, very well, and our good friend and person we like to talk to, Chris Markcraft, is here. You have a little bit of news regarding the Thanos gun. Yeah, the Thanos gun is up for a brass ring award. We're one of the four finalists for IAPA's brass ring, and that's just a huge honor to even be mentioned in the name of other greats who've received those awards in the past. That's, uh, I really can't believe it, but such an honor, whether we win or not, just to even be mentioned or given consideration for, for a product that, that we brought into the market is, uh, is super cool. And the Thanos gun does rock. I mean, that, it, it's no a pretty other, awesome thing. There's no other technology like that. People have tried to make battery-powered, quote, fog guns for years, and, you know, they put out fog for two feet in front of the machine and they last like nine minutes and and it's over versus something that can outperform 
um, in a 30-second burst, it can absolutely outperform a fully electric-powered machine. I mean, it can just crush. And so uh, that, that technology is definitely cool. But to, to be mentioned, even if it's just an honorable mention with the brass ring names, that's unbelievable. Well, Super grateful IAPA gave us uh, any consideration for that. Well, let us offer our sincere congratulations on that. No doubt well-deserved. And like I said, you know, last year you brought this thing out. Everybody was just, like, freaking out. You know, you would say, all right, in 20 minutes we'll fire this thing off, and people would just come here and watch that. How was it as far as sales and everything? You know, you had really, it at Transworld and all that, too. Yeah, really popular. And it wasn't just theme parks. I mean, you know, it, it is a higher-ticket item for sure. Bob's but, Haunted Trail's probably but, not buying it. But but that's the thing is some of those type folks did pony up and buy because Ooh. there's just nothing else that'll do what it does. It's It's super cool. And, you know, I think one of its initial hang-ups is we only had it in 220, and now it's in 110 power, oh, so wow, it's a okay. standard 110. You can, And it, it, the performance doesn't change with 110, so I don't know why we didn't do that to begin with. That's just stupid, I guess. But, um, you know, first, first edition jitters, first, you know, version, you know, you work out all the beta testing. Yeah, it, well, I think we were worried about the recovery time on the machine, but the, the recovery time's negligible at, at best, maybe 30 seconds difference. Wow. So at that point, do the do the 110, move on. Absolutely. So, you know, I worked at a haunt this year for a night, and I was literally underneath a Fobbles machine, which was fun. All the kids were going crazy with that. You know, the fog, the, 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 the bubbles, all the cool stuff. Anything else new this year, or are you debuting something different while you're out here? Well, I think we're showing some of the capabilities of what the big Fobbles F8 can do. There it a goes part right of our there. patent is that it's a four-in-one machine. So um, it can be run as a Fobbles machine. It can be run just as Bubbles, just as Fog, but it's an incredible touring-grade hazer. So if you put Backwood Bay in the machine, you can turn the bubble ones off, leave the fan and the fog on, and it's a constant, continuous run, incredible hazer. It'll absolutely fill, uh, you know, 5,000-seat venue by itself, just one. I, I saw haze in several haunted attractions I visited this season. Everything was good, and I was like, this has to be a Froggy's product because I don't think I've ever seen a hazer that works as well. Well, we try. You know, remember, first and foremost, we're a fluid manufacturer, and we do make machines. There are other good haze machine makers specifically in the market, but we do a comparable fluid for every machine in the marketplace pretty well. And so even if you have someone else's machine, you can certainly come get fluid from us that's comparable into that machine, and you'll get a historically better price and, and great performance. Can't argue with that. So for people wanting more information about Froggy's Fog, maybe they want to hear the news, whether or not you absolutely get a brass ring or not. I assume that will go out on socials and websites, I'm sure. How can people get more information? You know, the season's kind of over right now, but people probably are starting to think next year, you know, I've got a machine that's eight years old. I probably need to replace it. Or, you know, some of my fog juice went real low this year. I probably should stock up now. I don't know, you know, maybe I need to look into a Fobbles machine for next year now that the budgets are being prepared. How can people get more information? Well, to start, let me jump in real quick and say about 50% of professional haunted attractions now are actually doing a Krampus uh, Krampus event and Christmas. So snow has become a thing, picking up this time of year into Halloween. So certainly that's available. 
Uh, but yeah, as you're beginning to think about next year and then a possible Christmas season, you can always find us on the website at www.froggiesfog.com. That's www.froggiesfog.com. Or, of course, call in the office at uh, area code 615-469-4906. That's Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, 615-469-4906. And you can, you can hit any of the prompts in there, and you'll get to a human being. So That's always nice. And if you get lucky, you might even get Tater on the line. Who knows? Oh, Lord, help you. If you get Tater, you better run. There you go. Once again, folks, froggiesfog.com. Very, very fine sponsor of the Big Scary News. We've appreciated them over many, many years. The Thanos gun, Fobbles, Fog, Snow Machines. I haven't seen snow coming out of the area yet, so, oh, we're going to go walk over and fire up some snow, it looks like. But for all that good stuff... Froggiesfog.com. Once again, folks, my name is Drew Badger. Out here, there goes the snow, just in time for the Christmas season. Here at IAPA in Orlando, Florida, where this is probably the only snow they'll see this year. And we're out. Thank you, sir. Hello, everyone. This is Drew Badger, and this is the Deadline News for Episode 302. And we're going to kick things off with this from Plantation Blood Haunted Attraction in Augusta, Georgia. Christmas is right around the corner, so be on the lookout for the Plantation Blood hearse and some friends in both the December 9th Richmond County Christmas Parade as well as the December 3rd Columbia County Christmas Parade. And don't forget to mark your calendars for December 15th and 16th for a Plantation Blood Christmas featuring the land of mischievous toys. Remember, Santa Claus is making his list and checking it twice. He's going to find out whose body will be on ice. More information can be found at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash plantationblood. We have this from the Dark Christmas and Krampusnacht Fair coming to Manchester, Tennessee. The Dark Christmas and Krampusnacht Fair will be held December 2nd right here in Manchester, Tennessee. This will be an indoor event. We will have Krampus and St. Nicholas on hand to take pictures with the little ones. Then later that night, don your best goth ball attire for Lady Fright's Krampus Ball. As always, if you have any questions, let us know, and happy haunting. Get more information at ladyfrightsemporium.com. We have this from the Wadsworth Athenaeum and the Curiaporium in Hartford, Connecticut. Celebrate the magic of the holidays on the opening night of Wadsworth Anthenaeum's annual Festival of Trees and Traditions and be the first to see the museum adorned with stunning seasonal decorations that shine brighter after hours. But the Curioporium has prepared something naughty for the evening. Get up close and personal with Father and Mother Krampus. Happening Wednesday, November 29th from 6 to 9 p.m. You must be over age 21 to attend, and there is a cash bar. Get tickets and more information at thewadsworth.org. We have this from the Krampus Asbury Park Group in Asbury Park, New Jersey. On December 2nd and 3rd, step into the enchanting world of Yule Tide as we invite you to join us on a walking tour like no other. 
On this magical journey, you'll encounter the mysterious, the mischievous Yule Lads, the fearsome Krampus, and a host of other festive monsters. As you stroll through the winter wonderland, you'll witness the Yule Lads in action, each with their own unique personality and pranks. From spoon liquor to sausage swiper, these playful creatures will bring laughter and joy to your Yule experience. But beware... For Krampus lurks in the shadows, ready to punish those who have been naughty. With his imposing presence and terrifying appearance, he adds a touch of fear to the festivities. Tickets for this extraordinary walking tour are limited, so be sure to secure your spot early. Don't miss the chance to immerse yourself in the magic of Yuletide and encounter the fascinating world of the Yule Lads, Krampus, and other monsters. For more information, go to paranormalbooks.com nj.com slash Krampus Asbury Park. We have this news on the Krampus No Lauf Parade in New Orleans. Krampus and his folklore companions return on December 2nd for a unique holiday experience that's bound to leave you enchanted and in awe. It's time to uncover the truth. Who's been naughty? And who's been nice? The largest Krampus parade in all of America is here, presented by the one and only crew of Krampus. New Orleans knows them for their ingenious events that are nothing short of spectacular. Brace yourself for an unforgettable night where Krampus himself takes center stage, surrounded by a captivating cast of characters inspired by winter tales from around the world. No need to fear if you've been nice. The jolly St. Nicholas is here to spread his heartwarming magic, reminding us all that goodwill forever triumphs check out their website for all the details crewofkrampus.com that is spelled k-r-e-w-e of krampus.com keeping with more krampus news we have this news from krampus of indianapolis krampus is coming december 2nd to the athenaeum in indianapolis According to legend and folklore, a mythical goat demon beast arrives every year to scare and punish those who find themselves on the naughty list. With its long fangs, menacing horns, and a switch made of birch sticks, Krampus rules the night. This traditional Krampus night celebration dates back hundreds of years to the towns and villages of the European Alps and is immediately followed by the arrival of St. Nicholas, a kind-hearted gift giver who arrives the following day to reward those who have been good. Our Krampus Knock programming is not for the faint of heart, but we will be including family-friendly programming from 3 to 6 p.m. That will include special performances by No Exit Performance, Indy's most adventurous theater company. As they present a family-friendly tale about the real Krampus, join two expert storytellers as they uncover the maybe true story behind the myth, the legend, the Goatman. Followed by a visit from Krampus himself, from a safe distance of course. Get more information at facebook.com slash Krampus of Indianapolis. We have this news regarding a haunted Christmas at the General Daniel Bissell House in St. Louis. On December 2nd, visitors to the General Daniel Bissell House will enjoy a unique holiday experience. Costumed interpreters from the Mourning Society of St. Louis will be on hand to tell Christmas ghost stories Charles Dickens style and play Victorian parlor games with guests. For more information regarding times and admission, please visit Civic Rec at mo-stlouiscounty.civicrec.com. 
And finally, we have an update from Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California. We have a quick update. Our winter show, Season Screamings, will not be taking place this year. Bah humbug, we know. But we're bringing it back in December 2024. If you'd like to see it return, let us know. In the meantime, please submit any horrific holiday events, winter-themed haunts or displays, or other activities that would make Santa think twice about stopping by. Submit those details to SoCalHauntList.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Hello, Drew Hunter here from Sally Dark Rides, and we are at the IAPA Trade Show in Orlando, 2023, and the place is crawling with people. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. Spectral Illusions is a digital production studio creating video effects for your home or pro haunt. They carry over 30 stock videos ready for immediate download, as well as USB drives preloaded with multiple effects. In partnership with AAXA Technologies, they now carry projectors preloaded with multiple effects. And now Big Scary Show listeners can get 15% off downloads, USBs, and screens with code BIGSCARY15. Projectors not included. Visit SpectralIllusions.com and add some life to your haunt. That's SpectralIllusions.com. Michael Headstrom. Hall of Portraits on the Big Scary Show.
And ladies and gentlemen, we hope you were listening very carefully to last episode's show because we had a gruesome giveaway sponsored by our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. You know that big holiday at the end of December is coming faster than you know it, so if you have a haunt friend that loves the kind of stuff that they make, get on over to ScreamlineStudios.com, do all your holiday shopping, and they will love you forever, guaranteed. Not by me, but by somebody. But anyway, we put a question out on the last show. We selected a random person to be our winner. I think we have them on the line. Random person. What is your name? Where are you located? Um, Trisha Saunders, and I'm located in Wilmington, Ohio. Wilmington, Ohio. I think there's a haunt in Wilmington. I cannot remember. I think we've had them on the news before, but... Great, Wilmington, Ohio. Lots of good haunted attractions up that way. Well, Trisha, before we find out if you are indeed the winner, I have a couple of quick legal questions for you. Question, okay. Question number one, did we contact you in any way, shape, or form other than to tell you when to call in? No. All right. Question number two, did you try to bribe us to pick you via some kind of offer or anything like that? No. I'm, I'm glad you didn't. But anyway, <laughs> Trisha Saunders of Wilmington, Ohio. I don't have the question directly in front of me, so let me paraphrase it here. In the last episode, Jerry Vane was interviewing the owners of the Fear Complex in Colorado Springs, and he asked how many themes they had in that haunt. How many themes are in Fear Complex? How about if I go with four? Four would be absolutely correct. Fear, Fear Complex I... does have it, and the, well, the bigger hang is, Trisha Saunders, you are the winner for the November Gruesome Giveaway. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Well, you're quite I almost welcome. thought I missed that, because I was thinking it was going to be three, but oh, I just went with four. And, and you would be absolutely correct. So... Trisha, hold on the line. We'll get some shipping information from you. Do you, by chance, work in the industry, work for a haunted house? Are you a big enthusiast? Do you do a lot of decorating for the season? What do you do? Um, well, I do decorating, but and I go to the haunted houses, but I don't work for any. Okay. That would be so cool to do that, wouldn't it? Well, there is one, I believe, somewhere in the Wilmington area. I don't remember the name again, but if you look it up, I'm sure they will be hiring for next year. But more importantly, thank you, Trisha Saunders of Wilmington, Ohio. You are the November Gruesome Giveaway winner. And again, we want to thank ScreamlineStudios.com for providing great prizes all year long. If you didn't win this month, folks, you can possibly win next month. Just keep listening here to The Big Scary Show. Thank you. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live in Orlando, Florida at IAPA checking out all the amazing things at the amusement park industries and the associations and all the attractions around the world are having. Roller coasters to trash cans, everything in between. And last year I discovered this company for the first time. I knew they existed, but I finally found Sally Dark Rides and Mr. Drew Hunter Talked to them at IAPA last year. We had them on the roundtable early last year. They just had their big reveal of their new character that they, uh, they I guess, debut every year. And it's uh, 
It's an interesting one, but first of all, Mr. Drew Hunter, good to see you again, sir. Thank you. You all get two Drews for the price of one. You know, you, you, you can't beat the name, and, and two for one's a great deal in any book. But um, last year when I came out here, you had a giant witch that, whose yes. name was Lilith, and she went to the Haunted Hotel at a theme park in Maine, and she was under the little curtain and everything, and about, oh, maybe an hour ago or so, you revealed a brand new character that is going to a very special place. I wouldn't necessarily call it a new character. It's it's different, and it's not what I expected. Yes, Krabby from SpongeBob SquarePants going to a brand new dark ride via Sally Dark Rides at Circus Circus in Las Vegas. It's being installed now. and will be opening up in the new year. It's it's fascinating, you know. SpongeBob SquarePants has been around since you know the late '90s. Mr. Krabs is an iconic figure. And I got to tell you, the voice sounds remarkably like Clancy Brown, who does the voice of Mr. Krabs. As well, it should. Really? Yes. You, you got Clancy to do the voice. I believe so. Oh, that is tremendous! How how difficult was it to talk him into that, or is that you know one of his contractual things? Yeah. Well, the whole the whole deal of using intellectual properties is is quite a challenge sometimes. It can be for the haunt industry too. You know, yes. if you advertise, I got the best Freddy. Freddy Krueger in the Tri-County area, you kind of got to watch yourself. No, you do, and we go through all the proper, uh, all the proper hoops, and deal with Paramount and this, and of course Circus Circus, and all the proper uh, routes that one needs to do to get full approval of the ride, the ride concept, the ride characters, the scenics, everything. I was uh, just, we were still making sure. That uh, uh, our animated character of, of Miss Crab uh, was perfect before we shipped him down here to the trade show floor. Wow, that that much! I mean, those lawyers must be going over with a fine tooth comb. Yes, it's uh, it's quite a process, and you know, um, it's it's quite different than working, say, for Fun Town Splash Town USA up in Saco, Maine, which is where we put our haunted hotel dark ride this last summer because that was a one-off ride totally original i had the great opportunity and honor of being able to be the lead designer on that ride creating miss lilith the witch and laying out the ride and coming up with all the gags and of course our incredible sally team and other folks we hired to work on that ride created a a super fun ride but it was all original all original. We didn't have to ask anybody's permission to do anything. It was um, it's just a different way to do it. Both are completely 100% valid. We had to work with the um, the, uh, the uh, Fun Town Park staff and owners, of course, and collaborated on the ride. And it was, a, it was a pleasure from top to bottom, just as SpongeBob's crazy carnival ride has been. And this is going up at Circus Circus in Vegas, so yes. I can only imagine that that's going to be just Completely over the top because, hey, that's Vegas. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's a colorful, colorful ride, lots of fun, and uh, a great game to play. So what are some of the other things that you've been doing over the past year? I'm, I'm looking at, you know, several displays. You've got, you know, what look like amusement park layouts. You've got ride videos going on. You've got, you know, shoot 'em ups going on over here on the big screen. You've got a, you, you guys have been very busy. Well, this is, so. you know, this is Sally Dark Ride's 45th year at IAPA. 
45th year of IAPA. The company was formed in uh, 1977. So we have a lot under our belt. This last year, we also, this last summer, we also opened up the Uncharted uh, Coaster Dark Ride at Port Aventura in Spain. Uh, that was an exciting collaboration with Port Aventura and Intamin. Intamin uh, created the coaster. We created the theming for parts of the coaster and the queue. That was exciting. And, of course, the year before that, we had the Haunted Hotel. The year before that, we had Volcano, the uh, curse of the um, uh, quest for the Golden Idol. And this last summer, a wonderful, wonderful ride, a pirate ride, out in um, Monterey Bay, Treasure Hunt, which we're like really excited. We teamed up with Daniel's Woodland for that ride. It, it sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm glad you guys are just staying so busy here. You know, you've got a great display here. The press was in full display oh, as the uh, you yeah, uncovered Mr. Krabs here. It was, it was remarkable, and we have some great things on the horizon. Unfortunately, I cannot talk about Well, you know, at some point when you're able to talk about it, please come talk to us here at the Big Scary Show. But in the meantime, for people wanting more information, maybe they want to see a video of this giant Mr. Krabs animatronic in action. Maybe they want to see what some of the new projects you have going on. Maybe you work for a theme park and you would like Sally to come in and design a dark ride for you. How can people get more information, websites, and all social media? Obviously, the website, www.sallydarkrides.com, or go to Facebook. Look up our information. Just that simple. One last question for you, sir. You're home in Jacksonville. How was the Drusium when the uh, hurricane came through? Oh, we were fine. Okay, No, No problem. Actually, I had a... A, a chimney, a chimney cap. I have two huge chimneys on top of my, uh, sticking out of my roof, and I had put a metal um, ch- uh, chimney capper on it. One big gust of wind came up and took that chimney capper off, and a couple of bricks. I was, in fact, I was on a Zoom meeting with folks at Sally from my home, and I heard this clump, 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 bang, and uh, went out later on, and sure enough, that had blown off. But other than that, it was fine. It was fine. Didn't we're, have too much of a problem. We're glad the Drusium survived oh, all that, Drusium, and, yes. and here's to many more years of what looks to be an incredibly interesting house, and one day I hope to take you a tour of it. You must come take a tour of the Drusium. It's, uh, it will change your life. <laughs> well, next year I'll have to get here a day before I app or a yeah. day before you come down, and we can obviously discuss that off the air. But once again, folks, sallydarkrides.com. If you're interested in seeing all the new stuff, go out to Circus Circus in Vegas and check out the new SpongeBob cool adventure stuff that they've gotten. You can see this very, very same giant Mr. Krabs animatronic. Drew Hunter, always a pleasure, a pleasure to have you Thank here you on the Big so Scary much. Show. Good to see you, Drew. Absolutely, and again, great name. My name is Drew Badger, out here at IAPA in Orlando, Florida for the Big Scary Show, and we're out. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> This is the old crone with the Big Scary Show, and I am sitting here in Carpenter's Mortuary Spook House getting ready to do a paranormal investigation, and they brought in a special guest, Josh Hurd, who you might have seen on the Travel Channel and some different places. Hi, Josh. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So... 
tell me, what are you expecting from tonight? Oh my gosh, like first of all, this place is amazing. It's just walking around this place, I'm like, oh my god, like the creep level's already up there anyway. Yes. And so uh, kind of going in with like Dave's experiments and things like that, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this building has to offer for tonight. What's your favorite go-to whenever you're investigating? Do you like doing like the spirit box? Do you do an EMF? What do you like to use? What tools? Yes, usually, I mean, I, I usually always have like an EMF detector with mm-hmm. me. And if you can lug like my spirit box and things like that around, absolutely. I'll use that. I'll pull that out. Other times I like to just kind of sit and chill and see what the building has to offer. Like I honestly believe that like we're kind of our own antennas sometimes and we can pick up on all sorts of fun stuff. I, we... I agree with you a hundred percent and I could tell you stories yeah, of yeah. doing that. I think it's really cool that he brought in another person who has the experience that you do. Sure. And do you guys partner with on different investigations a lot? Yeah. And Dave and I have actually done, uh, I mean, a couple different films together now. Cool. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Dave's just a good buddy. Um, so I was like blown away when he was like, yeah, you want to come down to Arkansas and check out this really creepy place? I'm like, absolutely, please. <laughs> so yeah, I was super excited about that. Well, cool. So if people wanted to find out more about you and your investigations, how would they find you? So yeah, um, I mean, joshherd.net is my kind of website or whatever. And that's that has links to everything that I do different podcasts that I've done and and do all the time and then Malvern Manor of course like all of that stuff um and of course my my documentary films are there as well but yeah it's kind of the one-stop shop well tell me about Malvern Malvern that's a big mouthful Malvern Manor yeah alliteration aside yes yes pronunciate I'm telling you um no Malvern Manor is an interesting building it is 10,000 square feet wow it used to be um, a hotel. It was constructed in 1869. It was the, the fourth structure that was constructed in the town of Malvern, Iowa. That was before Malvern was even called Malvern, in fact. Oh, wow. <laughs> but um, it runs as a hotel primarily all the way up until the 1950s, so it had a, a pretty good run. At that time, kind of takes an odd turn and becomes what we would consider to be more of like a, a nursing home type setting. Okay. The nursing home only lasts until the 1970s, and then they were shut down because the hallways aren't wide enough to support mm. transporting patients properly. Uh, and so then this is where history becomes the most fascinating for geeks and nerds like myself, but that's when it becomes the group home, which is su- like servicing any form of what they considered to be a mental disorder back then. Okay. Um, which is vastly different than what we consider a mental disorder today. Yes. Um, so it's things that we see all the time. Uh, people with Down syndrome, for an example, mm-hmm. right? A very common type thing. And then, of course... People on the opposite side of the coin, people with uh, DID or what they used to refer to as multiple personalities, uh, schizophrenics. I mean, even murderers were housed in this building. Wow. And it, and it ran like that all the way up until 2005. So, I mean, it really wasn't that long ago. And, and this building was still in full swing. But ever since the first time I walked into that place, uh, which is the better part of a decade ago now, mm-hmm. we haven't touched a thing. Like, everything is how we found it, which, from the investigative side of everything, I feel adds a little bit more to the integrity of the place. Like, it's very Definitely. important that, that people experience it the same way I did. Um, and so, yeah, like, we've just kind of kept everything. Now, obviously, any of the, you know, sensitive documentation and right. things like that, we certainly did remove from the building. I certainly don't want to step on toes of family or anything right. like that. But 
other than that, like what you see is what you get. It's a pretty interesting place. So how often do you do tours and things through there? Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays we will do tours uh, from wow. noon until 3. And then, of course, if you want to stay the night, you're more than welcome to do that as well. I may so, have yeah. to check that out. Definitely. So, We'd love to have you guys. So how does someone get tickets for something like that? So, yeah, um, all you would do is, I mean, if you went to malvernmanor.weebly.com, Dot com or through just my website joshherd.net you'll be able to find the Malvern, the Malvern Manor uh, website um, and we have a calendar page right there and you can check the available dates and then you you book the place and you and your team get the whole place that's pretty cool so about what size of a team do you have uh, is is as many as you'd like to bring really honestly that's so, pretty cool yeah Hi, I'm John Long. I am the Baltimore Krampus, and I am from Fells Point Krampus Law, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. The Roundtable of Terror is very proudly sponsored by HauntPay. Whether it's time ticketing, virtual queue lines, or anything else related to online ticket sales, have Alex and his staff set you up at hauntpay.com. gentlemen that music again once again says and means the round table of terror is on brought to you very proudly by our very good friends at hauntpay hauntpay.com for all your time ticketing virtual queue lines and any kind of question you need about your ticketing stuff go to hauntpay.com and alex and his crew will set you right up well folks you know we as we look into the rearview mirror and see halloween fading off into the ether. We start looking towards that big holiday at the end of the year. But you better watch out, and you better not cry, and you better watch out, and you really better watch out, because Der Krampus may be coming for you. Once again, folks, about this time of year, we start seeing a lot of haunted attractions, putting on Christmas events, and one thing that has just taken over over the last decade has been the Christmas devil known as Der Krampus. From the Germanic countries in Europe, the evil, supposedly, Christmas demon that, um, you know, for lack of a better word, punishes the naughty children, while that other big fat guy who wears red rewards the good little children. A lot of haunted attractions um, are utilizing Krampus in their, in their shows, especially, you know, this time of year, you know, I, I have seen Krampus in Halloween shows, but, you know, it, it used to be, hey, come see our winter wonderland of doom or something like that. But now it's come meet Krampus at our Krampus event, Merry Krampus and Evil Krampus. And, and, you know, Krampus has become a huge phenomenon and not only in the haunted house industry, but groups have come out there and have created Krampus festivals, Krampus louts are popping up in cities all over the United States. And we have some very special guests that are in charge of several Krampus-related groups or societies or other. 
all over the country, and we wanted to bring them in to talk about why they love the Krampus, why they started these organizations, what do these people do? Do they work in haunted attractions? Do they just make appearances at various places during this time of year? Let's find out. We have some wonderful guests with us, and we're going to start up on the East Coast with John Long. You might remember that name because I believe he was a guest when we did our Krampus episode last year. He is with Fells Point Krampuslauf, obviously in the Baltimore area. John, are you with us? Yes, sir. Uh, pleasure to be here. But I will say I do take offense to calling Krampus evil. You know, if your job is to punish the evil, you really can't be evil if you think about it. You have me over That's a barrel true. there, sir. I, I debate. I uh, I yield to your wisdom there. So, yes, <laughs> Krampus is actually pretty darn good because he punishes all those nasty little children that we all are just anyway i digress i went through three of them and i wish krampus had carried away all of them at various times during the year but i digress let's head out to the midwest and let's talk to ed sutera who runs the ohio krampus society based out of i guess kent ohio ed are you with us yes i am i'm happy to be here and um we're Getting ready to start our season here in the next couple of weeks. So a lot of planning's going on and a lot of last minute stuff for costumes and things are happening around the house. Fantastic. Can't wait to hear all about them. And heading way out to the West Coast where, you know, it's still probably 80 degrees and beautiful as opposed to the dreary winter that is settling in over much of the country. We have Al Reidenauer. I believe I pronounced that correct. With that is correct. Thank you. Krampus Los Angeles. They have a big Krampus Fest going on out there, and they have for many, many years. I saw their group at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach over the summer, making a lot of noise, scaring a lot of children, and no doubt punishing and devouring many as well. Al, good to have you back on the show. It's been way too long. Good to be back. Grustig, as the Bavarians say. And of course, we have our usual hosts up in New England. We have Storm. Uh, greetings, where you know the Krampus is coming because it gets dark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Down in Cincinnati, we have Meat Hook Jim. Uh, greetings. I just did a whirlwind trip to North Carolina and back. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch up with you, Drew, but uh, down on Friday, back on Sunday, and here I am. Well, there's probably a reason for that I'll mention in a moment. Um, the old crone, Jana is not with us at the moment. She is running a little behind. Hopefully she will join us during the break. My name is Drew Badger, normally in Charlotte, North Carolina, but this past weekend I have headed down and am speaking to you from Orlando, Florida, because this week I am attending IAPA. So meeting up with some old friends and seeing some new ones and hopefully find some really cool Halloween and haunt vendors and maybe even find a Krampus or two while we're down there. So welcome to all our guests. Uh, have a, I'll throw the first question out. Um, gentlemen, how did you get interested in the Krampus to the point where you decided we, we need to form a group in our various areas and we need to go out and do Krampus-like things? This goes out to everybody. John, let's start with you. Well, I think that um, having grown up in a different generation than uh, a lot of the kids now where you actually had to earn things and uh there wasn't so many you know free trophies just for participation 
I noticed there was a lot of, uh, you know, little individuals running about who needed a little bit of fear for their actions. And, you know, that wasn't really being taken care of by parents too much anymore. So Krampus appealed to me because, I mean, if people just run amok without any type of punishment, you know, what kind of a world do we have? So as I, I did more research and I started reading about Krampus and uh, I talked to a few people from other groups, uh, I have discussions all the time with my European brethren about what's right and what's wrong for the Krampus mythos. And it's a very interesting. So I started my first one uh, during COVID. And uh, when everything else was shut down, we were like, hey, you know, it's an outdoor event, so we can do it. And we had about 30 people show up, all masked and all following, you know, social distancing and all that kind of stuff. And then we've run it every year, always the second Saturday of December. And uh, we had about 325 people last year. So we're growing pretty much decent amount every year. So, wow. Um, but the idea of punishing people for what they've done wrong, I think, is something that our society truly needs to bring back. <laughs> you know, I, I think most of us are in that demographic where if we weren't good, we'd, quote unquote, get a knot jerked in us or have to go out and cut our own switch off a tree in the backyard. I had to do that on more than one occasion. So you I may have some used to go joke ahead. and say my father would take a car for not just a test drive. It was a test slap because he had to be able to have one hand on the wheel and he had to be able to reach me in the back seat so he could backhand me if I did something stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think most people of our age have probably experienced these 60 mile an hour backhand too. And unfortunately, <laughs> yes. that's, uh, yeah, we, we won't get into that. We're not here to discuss, you know, those damn kids these days. But let's talk to Ed. Ed, what made you decide that uh, Ohio needed a Krampus Society? Um, well, uh, it, for us, it was about uh, 10 years ago when I got my first mask. But before that, um, my family being from uh, Eastern Europe, we always celebrated St. Nicholas Day. But for some reason through the years, uh, his counterpart um, didn't so much go on into the family tradition and through reading and seeing other groups and then talking to people in Austria and stuff, um, me and my wife decided, hey, you know, this is something we'd like to do. And um, trying to give it a positive spin, we uh, team up with a charity every year that gets uh, the proceeds from all of our events. So not only for us, as we tell kids, because we do school visits too, um, just trying to teach the actual tradition, but you know, he's not all bad. He just, there's repercussions for your uh, bad actions, and he just happens to be de the deliverer of that. I like that. And I like the fact that you guys go to schools. That's uh, very nice. Al, I know you have been on our show before talking about the book that you wrote several years ago, Krampus, the Old Christmas Devil, and the longer title on it escapes me at the moment. But, uh, how did uh how did you get started in all this and and how was uh, Krampus Los Angeles formed and and the genesis of your book and everything? Uh, my book is called The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas, uh, and I started writing the book uh, around the same time that I started. Well, what had happened is I actually went to Austria and got to uh, participate. Well, 
to be a spectator in one of the Krampus runs in the uh, Gestein Valley, which is like an epicenter of all traditional Krampus activity. And uh, I remember coming back from that and I was so excited that I emailed one of my friends in LA who I'd done stuff with in the past and said, we've, we've, we've got to bring this here. Um, my, <clears throat> my friends uh, <clears throat> had uh, previously been involved in starting. I don't know if some of your listeners might know about the uh, Santa con, the mobs of drunken Santas that take to probably a dozen cities in the U S every year. We've done that way a uh, long, long time earlier, a uh, long time before um, the group that I was involved with was called the Cacophony Society. And they also started the Burning Man Festival. And uh, so these people all like doing stuff out in public, kind of guerrilla theater and the streets, surprising people with crazy in your crazy costume. And the Krampus, uh, the Krampus gave us an opportunity to kind of, you know, bring the hijinks back into the streets. And also a lot of the folks I know are involved in, uh, you know, film production. And then they're just creative types. So they like the idea of making costumes, which was what appealed to me. Partly I've made a bunch of, I made a lot of masks and sold masks and uh, made masks for some of our troop. And then kind of, we, I led some workshops so that people could create their own masks. So that, that was uh, part of the artistic, uh, the artistic uh, challenges and putting suits together without all the materials they have. We don't have, it's not so easy to come by goat bell, a uh, goat fur and cow bell or a, uh, lots of the same the same bells they use here so we had to kind of improvise which is you know it's fun to have that kind of challenge and my family was german i had uh, studied german in high college and i lived in berlin for a year which isn't really krampus country but i remember seeing the krampus postcards and reading about the krampus and kind of develop over so it's been a slow long process getting interested in all this and uh the, as they said the it kind of led to me researching the book while i was over sees a little kind of that's how it all started at the same time i'm like i i need to do this also and we all and, and so I, and i had luckily i was uh, i was in a group of people that were eager to start making suits al i know that i'd seen several of your uh krampus mates i guess for lack of a better word at midsummer scream they were traipsing about ringing bells and you know generally menacing patrons as they were walking around the aisles of the long beach convention center um, do you guys do things like that year round to promote it, or do you primarily just operate, say, between Halloween and and the end of the year? And that goes out well, to everybody as well. The uh, the suits, you know, uh, we have a sort of a second wave of participants uh, over the uh, as of the last uh, ten years, maybe or eight years. I'm sorry, we've been around ten years. The last like six seven years there's a whole new wave of people and they they actually have uh masks from europe which we didn't start off with we started off with making making our masks ourselves so i think once you once you invest in all that you know it's kind of pricey you want to get as much use out of it as you can so and we're lucky to live in a town where we have you know we have these horror conventions so yeah that we're they're out for a lot of the horror conventions uh the mid midsummer scream as you mentioned and then we have a season screaming screaming out here uh which they go to, but no, we're, we're, we're mainly, you know, mainly in December. We actually do all year round. We have events all year round as well. We do a Krampus Valentine's day party. We do a Krampus in July event. Uh, we attend the local Renaissance festivals all in our Krampus gear, uh, both Maryland and Pennsylvania Renaissance festivals. And I think next year we're going to hit VA and Delaware as well. 
we wind up going to all the different conventions in our horror. We go to the, both the sci-fi, the horror, and the monster conventions dressed in our clothing. And uh, we send out, we hand out information about you know, our group and the events we're doing. And uh, one of our primary focuses, I think I neglected to say to be is Toys for Tots. Uh, we heavily, heavily collect Toys for Tots. And our whole thing is just because Krampus punishes the naughty doesn't mean he can help the needy as well. So we had about maybe 26 boxes of toys that we donated last year from Toys for Tots. And our goal is every year to do that more. Uh, we Every year we try and solicit more um, local areas for have toy drop-off boxes. Uh, this We go a few boxes every year. We went up by two. We have 14 boxes in local restaurants, bars, and uh, retailers this year. And then all, every single one of our events, we bring a Krampus drop-off box. And that what we do as well there is we, you know, everybody who donates a toy gets a raffle ticket. And at the end of the event, you get a bunch of Krampus paraphernalia as a reward for whoever pulls the raffle ticket. So kind of just make sure that we get people a little bit more involved. Um, also, we do all the fairy festivals as well. I'm actually in charge of the dark fairy area at the Maryland Fairy Festival, uh, which we had 20,000 attendees last year. That's another festival that's growing each more and more year. And uh, I have the dark fairies. So all of the uh, darker, more goth theories, you know, the ogres and orcs and goblins and all are in my area, which has gotten to be quite fun as well. We actually even have snow machines we put out. So we're like, we always joke and say, you know, well, you know, only Krampus can bring snow to Maryland in May. So how many Shreks show up for that? We actually have never had a Shrek to tell you, believe it or not. Wow. We, we, we get a lot of, a lot of orcs. A lot of orcs and um, a lot of um, goth fairies too, that's, vampires that's as well. <laughs> that that's really cool. And uh, I'll just throw this out to you: the Carolina Renaissance Fest is just north of Charlotte, in the town of Huntersville. It's October and November, so perfect time of year. And uh, we, we they would that love that for next year. That's for sure. Believe me. Well, PA actually is doing an experimental thing this year as well where for two weekends, they're doing a winter Renaissance festival in December. Mm. So that will give an opportunity for us to wear our really big furs. Cause I've got an authentic crop made out of goat. And I tell you what, you will roast unless it's like 20 degrees out in that thing. So I am wearing the lighter stuff most of the time, but I'm hoping it'll be cold to be able to wear it this year in PA. How about you, Ed? Do you guys get together outside this time of year or or what? Um, mainly, we do just December and a little bit of November. But um, depending on what charity we're working with, uh, like this year, our charity asked us if we would come out to be with all the kids for their um, Christmas in July. So I made some modifications to my suit um, and I participated in their uh baseball games um in july this year but but mostly mostly just december were you actually playing baseball uh yeah the 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 charity this year that we participated with is the miracle league of lake county and they're they're an all in, uh inclusive baseball field so it's kids with severe disabilities. They're in wheelchairs. And um, I did play a little bit with them uh, for as much as I could see. 
Um, my all of our masks are from Austria, so the 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 site isn't always the greatest in them. Speaking of that, tell us a little bit about this. Goes you know everybody here. Throw out a little bit of your own experience, history wise. You know, it is a very Austria, very Germanic. You know, legend, the creature itself, and and you both met, and a couple of you have mentioned, you know, authentic German masks or Austrian masks, and real goat fur and and all that. How how quote unquote authentic does someone need to be in order to, you know, be a member of this? I mean, you know, can you go out to Spirit Halloween and buy a Krampus mask and and join, or is it something a little bit more? I know that uh, you know I've seen hand-carved wooden Krampus masks from Europe that just are astonishing. And I haven't, I've seen a few, but I, I haven't seen like the big mask companies really getting into like silicon or latex as far as creating these. W- what does one need to kind of become a Krampus for lack of a, a better word? The Krampus tradition is really adaptive. Uh, we're out in LA, so it's as you know. A couple of you you've mentioned uh, heavy goat fur suits. They're out, they're terrible to wear out here, uh, but we we do as long as we we've done some daytime parades. And we try to stay away from that because it is it's just too hot and heavy. But uh, in there are um, Germans that settled in Brazil. There's actually a Krampus fest and uh, Krampus loaf uh, activities in Brazil. Where they've adapted by using uh, instead of uh, goat fur, they use tropical vegetation. So the Krampuses have moss and palm fronds and all sorts of uh, you know native native materials they use. Uh, so you know we try to we try to we in LA try to you know uh, imitate the alpine look as best we can. But uh, you know where it's sort of limited. Uh, they're definitely I, I don't know what all the rest of you think, but there aren't really I, I would say there aren't really any good mass-produced uh, Krampus masks. I haven't looked that hard, you know, for a few years, but when I started this, there definitely weren't. And I don't, I haven't seen any popping up lately. Um, I believe there's one or two people that are carving them commercially in the U.S. now, and I don't want to take away from them, but their prices are pretty similar to what I could get them for out of Austria. So I've I've actually uh, I just work with one mask maker in Austria, and he ships me the masks directly uh, over here. So because part of our main function in our group is education, and I mentioned we go into schools, um, we do try to keep uh, the masks part um, that that we get masks from Austria and um, the furs. We've modified a little bit. Um, I do use deer pelts for one of the costumes. And the other one, I have yak pelts. Um, And then the third costume, uh, the other costume we have, we use uh, um, sheep uh, pelts. So we've modified our fur a little bit. And then um, I've used eBay to get a lot of the um, bells, uh, the larger Swiss cowbells. John, how about you and and uh, the the Baltimore and Fells Point group? What do what do they use, and how authentic and things like that? We basically tell people, you know, whatever, and you know, whatever. I mean, we're all inclusive group. I mean, we have people 
uh, I've probably got about maybe 12 different masks. Um, I've got two from Austria, different ones, like the one I was just showing on the camera. I've got um, some latex ones that are actually pretty decent looking one. And I use them as loaners too, because there's a lot of people who are like, oh my God, I really want to get involved in this, but I don't have anything. So like during crop season on my Facebook page, I have what they call make it Monday. So every Monday I put on different videos on, I don't do the videos, but I mean, of either makeup techniques or how to make an expensive crampus costume, how to make your own horns, how to make your own masks, how to do crampus belt, how to make hooves. So that's every Monday is Make It Monday on you know my Facebook and Instagram pages and things like that. Um, and I have people all the time asking me for help questions. I do leather work on the side. I, I'm glad to teach people how to do it. I can give them information over online if not close by as well. Um, I, you know, it's all about the fun and the hobby. I mean, I've, you know, use a red bathrobe if you don't have anything. I mean, I'm just our brown one. I'm like, we're not, you know, authenticity Nazis. We're, we're all about the fun and making sure that, you know, my whole mission is to make sure people know Kromp is not a bad guy. He's here to do a job, you know, and people are like, well, why does he look so evil and so demonic? And I'm like, have you ever read the description of an angel in the Bible? Some of the most terrifying creatures that you would ever think about. They don't look all cherubic. I mean, they've got, you know, 27 eyes and 43 teeth and horns and everything else. It's like, and the reason why they were supposedly made that way was to scare evil. And the same thing I look is, Krampus is made like that to scare evil, you know? And, you know, all of the old traditions is, you know, him and St. Nick are buds, man. They're pals. They're not, he's not the anti-Santa. They're like yin and yang. They're two sides of the same coin. I mean, a lot of the old Krampus cartons have the two of them together. And it's usually like, stereotypically, it's the boy is getting ready to be switched and the girl is sitting in the corner with a new doll. And uh, just showing that they visit together. I mean, traditionally, it was Krampus not was, you know, December 5th when he showed up to dole out the punishments. And then the very next day was when St. Nick came around and all the good boys and girls got their stuff. So yeah, that's my whole thing is, is I, I want everybody to, you know, to be involved. You know, you see some people will start out and they'll be first year. They'll have just the horns and maybe a little bit of face paint and a robe. And then the next year, you know, it's a little bit fancier robe and a little bit better horns. And then the, it's like it's it's an evolution. And that's why I have extra costumes. So if people want to get involved and take it as for a test run, I am more than willing to lend them out. It's it's all about the fun. You know, I mean, that's why, you know, our Krampusal is a family event. I mean, like this year, we're doing a thing uh, called Kitty Krampus Academy. Where, you know, a kids under 12 who want to be a Krampus are going to come out and they're going to have to do some tests like Roar. Uh, we're going to have wicker baskets and they're going to have to throw baby dolls in the basket like they're the bad kids, you know. And then at the end, they're getting a little sticker that says, I graduated from the Krampus Kitty Academy, you know, and, and they're going to get a little pair of horns to take with them, you know, just just fun. That's the way we look at it, you know. I want that on a T-shirt so bad. I graduated. That would that would be tremendous. I could send you the sticker that we designed. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We'll we'll talk later. Have you have any of you ever received, you know, blowback or negative criticism from groups? I mean, I live in the Bible Belt, so you know, I've 
I'm I'm anticipating that if a Krampus group, you know, showed up in various places, there's always going to be some protest from somebody. I mean, what, what? how do you deal with that? Actually, how we deal with it, and I, I've gotten it several times because we do a lot of Kris Kringle markets. We specifically let people know this has nothing to do with Christmas. Um, Krampus, it has to do with the Feast of St. Nicholas and... Um, I don't like getting into the whole history lesson of what a traditional Christmas is, but we try to separate ourselves as much as we can from Christmas and focus on that we're a- attached to St. Nicholas Day. And it that seems to um, squash a lot of the people saying, you're taken away from the reason of the season or whatever. I'm like, oh, no, actually... Our dates all the way up here at December sixth, December fifth. We don't, we don't have a whole anything to do with actual Christmas. Christmas. We're actually banned from several parades, not because we haven't done anything wrong, just because they think we're too scary. Uh, the funny thing is, is one year uh, we were we we also associate with uh, the Maryland Ferry Group, and. Uh, the Maryland Ferry Group was asked to be in the Maryland Christmas Parade. So they asked us to join them, and we did. And everybody wanted their picture taken with the Krampuses. Everybody was, like, trying to, like, oh, my God, picture, 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 picture. And there was nobody screaming, nobody acting like they were frightened. But yet the very next year when it came for the the Maryland Christmas Parade, they were, you know, the, the fairy group was told, oh, well, don't bring the demons. And they're like, she's like, they're Krampuses. And they're like, no, they're not allowed to come. They're too scary. And I'm like, really? Everybody wanted their picture with us more than anybody else. But yeah, so we're, you know, a co- couple different parades and festivals. We're not supposed to come because we're too scary. But, you know, to me, that's just people, you know. People are always frightened with what they don't realize. And if you try and teach them about the history, you know, it just seems like some people don't want to hear, which is, you know, another subject. I used to be a history teacher. Why we're not allowed to actually teach history anymore because people don't like to hear things that they don't want to hear, even if it's the truth. See, now you need to gain support and have a Krampus picket line around some of these parades. Well, people have told us that, oh, well, we should show up and be in the crowd because they can't stop that. And I'm like, I'm not going to be petty. I'm not going to be that way. I don't want us to be known for that. I mean, our whole thing is we want everybody to have fun and we want everybody to know that we're not bad guys. And that to me would just be sending the wrong message. But yeah, we had a bunch of our members want to do that. And I'm like, nah, guys, please don't do that. Yeah, take the high road. That's the important thing. Bingo. I do want to remind you, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking about Der Krampus. Krampus Nacht is December 5th. Awful lot of haunted attractions are incorporating Krampus in their uses. And we have Ed Sutera, Al Reidenauer, and John Long from various Krampus groups around the country. Maybe there's one near you. We're going to take a very short break to play this very important message. And we'll be right back. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as 
upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we are back to the Roundtable of Terror, talking about the Krampus, the Krampus, however you want to pronounce him, with various special guests around the country. We have Ed Sutera from the Ohio Krampus Society. We have Al Ridenauer with Krampus Los Angeles. Jim, John Long, sorry, with the Fells Point Krampus Louse. And um, are there any questions at this point from the hosts? Uh, well, first, that I should probably mention that uh, we're all here, too. Uh, yes, I did neglect to mention that we do have Jonna the Old Crone with us. So welcome, Jonna. Sorry you came in a little late, but we're glad you're Hi. with us now. Yes, I apologize. But better late than never, right? Absolutely. And I know that you have been very, very busy breaking down your haunt and storing it away and everything and, and listening to all this. Have you considered putting a Krampus in a medieval themed? I assume that tradition goes back at least that far. I would love to do something like that. Um, like you, I'm in the, Drew, I'm in the Bible Belt. Um, so I would need to be careful about that. But in a Scottish medieval theme, um, you guys are the experts. Is there any way I could tie Krampus in with a Scottish medieval theme? Well, have him ride in on a water horse? <laughs> I'm thinking kilts made of goat fur. They actually appear every year at the Highland Society of Maryland's uh, Yule Dinner, and I wear a kilt, um, and I have my hairy goat legs, of course, and my hooves, but every is my, my I guess it'll be my fourth year, and they all want me there, they want me to take pictures with me, and, and uh, it's a hoot. I mean, it's a good time, and believe me, there's a lot of scotch. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Nothing that would be that. fun. How about our other guests? Uh, are are there any? I mean, is I, you know it's from Germany, you know it's from Austria, you know it's from I guess Eastern and Germanic Alpine countries. But is there anything similar in the British Isles or you know Western Europe? It seems like England's left out of a lot of the fun on the continent. There's a lot of uh, there are a lot of kind of beasties that wander around, but that tends to be in for carnival later in the year. Um, I'm working in a book, uh, a sort of follow-up to the Krampus book that talks about uh, traditions in um, the Hungarians have uh, Bushos, which is uh, wears sheepskins and has bells and uh, Bulgarians have something similar. Uh, but yeah, England, I don't know. In the U UK, it's kind of not really, uh, I don't know what you compare it to. There's the, you know, there's the, the green man, Jack in the green. Uh, he, there is kind of a, this area where uh, the the wild man is a character that's represented, sometimes covered in vegetation, uh, and that's universal. That's all over the continent and in the UK. Um, so I, I think he's kind of the sort of intermediary between the Krampus, wild, the, that kind of wild beast, and uh, and uh, the carnival creatures. Isn't there a, uh, and I may be mistaken, but I thought there was a Welsh tradition with the... Um... Oh, the Marilude with the, the horse the horse skull? Yeah, the horse skull and stuff. Yeah, we have those show up. Uh, our friends, we have friends in uh, Whitby in the UK, uh, at Northern England in Yorkshire. Um, 
and uh, they definitely have they bring in some of their UK traditions uh, and that the Mary Lude is one of them. It's yeah, it's Welsh, uh, but it's kind of spread throughout Britain. Um, uh, and it has a clap jaw, kind of like the Habergeist, which is uh, Austrian. Uh, and even in and in the north in Germany, you have uh, different clap jawed goat type uh, animals that are for for Christmas, but also New Year's. I mean, there's yeah, they're, they're kind of peripheral to the Krampus stuff. The uh, the Habergeist is a it's basically it's a, a few guys hiding under a guy hiding under a sheet or a a, a rug or a goat hide. And he has on a stick, uh, for some reason they have like long necks, like giraffe style, but he has on a stick, um, a goat head carved out of wood and maybe, or maybe it's a, even a skull and it, it's reminiscent of the Mare Lude. We have one we made for our troop. Uh, it's, it's uh, pretty impressive. It's very metal. It's uh, all covered in black fur and it's about eight feet tall. So there's, yeah, those peripheral characters sort sort of are a nice bridge between the two also. Speaking of metal, I understand that uh, Krampus has been um, kind of in the video making business of late as well. Can you elaborate on that, Al? Oh, yeah, I was talking during the break. um, I was uh, for a talk I'm giving this year. I spent some time and I'll be spending some more um, looking through videos that are made by uh, Krampus groups in Bavaria and Austria. And, you know, every year they they maybe they have new masks or somebody has new suits so they just want to make a, a video that shows off what they have and and living in europe and where there's forests and castles and ruins and they have great they have great settings to shoot videos and so you'll see uh, the troops will make kind of a just an annual reel a promo reel for their troop but also uh, there's a lot of metal videos where Krampuses pop up sort of doing uh, kind of cameos uh I, I I think I have maybe I have like six or eight of them that I'm considering for the thing, thing I'm doing, but uh, there are a lot more. Uh, and, you know, some and then also some of the groups make kind of little horror films where, you know, a little young boy discovering a Krampus out in the out in the woods or in the mountains or behind his this shed where he lives. Um, they're, they're actually they're, it's actually pretty fun. And, you know, and obviously the suits in Europe are really high quality. And with all the tools we have for, uh, you know, do it yourself filmmaking, some of them are some of them are pretty good, actually. I can just see like Norwegian black metal videos just rife with Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's a tradition now that, uh, you know, uh, Krampus has to go out in the woods and find all the Scandinavian metal bands that get lost doing album cover photo shoots. <laughs> in the woods. I'm actually in uh, Gail Herod, who's a blues musician, released a video last year called Temptation, and she wanted Krampus uh, in the Temptation video. So uh, that was a lot of fun to shoot. And that's actually airing all over the place. And it was a great opportunity and a trip to be in a blues video. <laughs> Any uh, questions from the hosts at this time? Well, now I got two. Uh, it- is it a traditional Krampus in the blues video or is he, is he wearing sunglasses and, you know, rocking the sacks like he's in um, uh, uh, the lost boys? Oh no, I, I'm, I'm in my traditional outfit. And it's funny because it like at one point in time, um, she's, there's a guy dressed like an angel and then there's me and we're doing a tug of war with her. So 
Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, question I had, you know, we were chatting a little bit before the show, and uh, several of you mentioned, you know, you, you have contacts over in Europe, and, and you'll, you'll brainstorm with them and work with them. Uh, what's the feeling over there of uh, the growth of Krampus uh, walks and events in the United States? Or are they worried we're going commercialized to Krampus on them? All um, the guys I talk to absolutely love it. And they I get I get commendations from them. They're like, we're so happy to see that, you know, Krampus is in America. As a matter of fact, last year I was at the Maryland Renaissance Festival. And in this really thick German voice from across the field, I heard somebody yelling, Krampus, Krampus, Krampus. And I look and this guy is running like a top neck speed to come over to me. And he is a child strapped to his front, a baby. And he goes, I cannot believe my mother is going to lose her mind. Promises America. So he's like, I have to take a picture. So I have to do it. He's taking a picture with me. And his kid starts to cry because he's frightened. And he starts laughing in this deep German. And he's like, oh, it is good. You are frightened of Grampus. So you will not be a naughty child, my son. It was hysterical. And then as soon as I, you know, he, I walked away, I could hear him speaking in German on FaceTime. He must have been on talking to his mom, showing him the pictures. Oh, that's fantastic. That makes up for the 14 Jack Sparrows who probably walked by during that. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I think we need a little bit more of that, a little bit more fear thrown into the kids to not be so naughty. I think we need more Krampus around. We need to get German Steve on the roundtable sometime to talk about this too. So, if, well, if I, you know if you know who I, he is, then then you know. But I, I think digress. there are mixed feelings about it. Um, I guess because uh, some of the folks I've talked to are from very traditional areas. Uh, it the Krampus tradition is you know it has a whole other meaning for them, and they you know they're a little. Well, I mean, honestly, the people that I talk to also. Uh, are uh, skeptical about new trends in Europe too, you know, so they, they're like, they have their masks as they've existed for, you know, a few decades and they, you, you change something and they kind of look at it askew. So having Americans do this, I mean, they're, it's, I have, my impression is it's a very mixed bag. They're, they're kind of, they're kind of thrilled and they think it's funny and fun that we do it, but they're also, you know, they're like, well, you know, it's not, this isn't the same. And, uh, but they would say that about, uh, you know, the folks I'm thinking of are in the kind of the Salzburg area, which is very traditional and just south of Salzburg. And and they also are suspicious about things that go on in, in Vienna, which isn't in Krampus territory or other parts of Germany. So, you know, it sort of depends who you talk to. But I think if you aren't expecting to see a Krampus and you're German or Austrian, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a little thrill of, of, of home seeing something like that walking around that reminds you of when you were a kid. Is there something that we've done in the United States that has, for lack of a better word, Americanized Krampus <laughs> to where somebody in Europe would not find it recognizable? Uh, the Krampus movie. <laughs> that has yeah. nothing to do. That has nothing to do with the Krampus tradition. <laughs> well, there you go. I did not see it. So especially not after talking to people who did. Well, as uh, as John from Baltimore was saying, the whole idea that the Krampus is evil is that's uh, it's kind of that's it kind of proceeds from that, and that's not the Krampus. You know, it's sort of he sort of just 
it it's so it's so twisted what they've done what they did with it there's no uh, it's not about punishing kids that are right or good or bad and it's about whether you the only thing that uh he seems to be interested in is whether you have the christmas spirit which isn't exactly what the Krampus is about so yeah and then just the design of the creature is like completely uh different from what you know what we're what they're used to seeing over there uh, and it's it is surprising when you just do a google image search or something that so so many images reflect that that design which is you know so foreign to what 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 they're used to and very you know again it's sort of influenced by by this idea that the Krampus is the evil saint nicholas so they have the the red robe which is nothing you know not, it looks nothing like any of their costumes so I think the, I think the Krampus movie is something they would be they are particularly suspicious about. I think I think something else that um, over there is is a lot of the artistry part of uh, Krampus is um, done from a young age. Like I've ordered mask blanks from a wood carving school in Austria, and they have kids that are under 10 that go to uh summer camps there to learn wood carving uh there's a lot more appreciation for some of the um i I would say lost arts um in, in parts of austria where where a lot of the uh you know families or different towns take pride in that they're you know they're carving their own masks they're doing this they're doing that the troops putting together their costumes and stuff. Um, yeah, that's guess- that's absolutely right. Uh, even there are mask carvers that advertise that they don't use power tools in making their masks. So yeah, there's you know there's definitely it's a it's a traditionalist culture and traditionalism is prized. Uh, yeah, the carvers that just use chisels and are, are uh, you know they're kind of a they're kind of a high status carver, I think. That's fantastic, Badger. We can have a Krampus event with our Amish haunt. I think I think you're onto something there. Uh, I guess we should ask: What would a pretty darn good middle of the road Krampus mask, hand carved in Austria, run somebody in American dollars, approximate? Uh, shipping is the biggest problem I have. Yeah. Uh, so most of my masks were between. Uh, 500 and 800 for the mask, and then the shipping was another three or 400. I so think there's a, there's a website that in on a, an Austrian website, I don't even know if Americans can access it or pay through it, but it's like eBay, and you do see masks that are more like $300 on, the, on that. And you know, they're decent, they're good masks, but I'm not sure it's sort of like the you know, the European Amazon that you I don't know if you're allowed to. <laughs> buy things through it but uh i feel like there are some masks available for a little less but yeah you're definitely right about the shipping that's that's a deal breaker for a lot of people well you know you can get a really top-end silicone mask for about a grand these days if you you know for a haunted attraction so you know I, i'm assuming it all balances itself out and i don't know maybe somebody needs to start creating a you know domestic supply of hand-carved Krampus masks somewhere in this area and cut down on those shipping costs. That, Maybe that I should give the name if anybody's interested. The uh, European site I'm talking about is called Wilhaben, W-I-L-L-H-A-B-E-N, which means I want to have, uh, dot, dot, uh, dot, oh, dot D-E, I guess, Germany. 
uh, you, you could check that out. And again, I don't know whether you're, you can't buy things through them, but I did notice that they have good prices for suits too, obviously, and bells and belts and all that. Oh, very nice. You know, the, um, what we see, what we recognize as Santa Claus now is actually Coca-Cola's version of Santa Claus. So what we need to do is find a beer or a um, a soft drink or something that decides to, that they want to market Krampus like like Coca Cola used to with Santa Claus. So who do you think would be just for fun? Who do you think would be a good corporate partner to help spread the spirit of Krampus? Definitely. We actually had a, in Los Angeles. We had an Austrian beer called Stiegel, which. Uh, sponsored us for a couple of years um didn't i mean we haven't done that for many many years but i don't know about uh, american uh brand death wish coffee <laughs> i was gonna say jolt cola if that's still around <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i still see those in some smaller backwoods convenience stores and general stores around my area every now and then and it's just as bad as it was back in the 80s when I used to drink it all the time. So well, someone needs to write a letter. Yeah, someone needs to write a letter. Yes, yes, Virginia, there is a Krampus. And get it published in in national newspaper. <laughs> so getting back you to the subject. You need to get like DoorDash or something in on the Krampus. You got to have Krampus dropping off McDonald's at people's doors. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but I was in a parade where I rode my motorcycle in costume and not fun wearing that mask trying to ride a motorcycle down the street. That sounds dangerous. No peripheral <laughs> it, vision, I can imagine. Yeah. Not good. But hey, you're here with us today, so you didn't die. Yeah. I guess that's I'd be worried that's about a the positive burn right? next to the exhaust pipes. You know, there's a, there's an ignition point at that that's not good. <laughs> I made it, so yeah. So getting back to the Krampus Laufs and Krampus Fests and things that you have going on over the next, you know, six weeks or so. Um, for people who may not know, what exactly is a Krampus Lauf? I mean, is it kind of like a zombie walk where you just kind of walk up and down the street and ring bells and scare children? And or, you know, I, I've been mentioning in the news about Krampus bar crawls and Krampus, you know festivals where you know come out and meet saint nicholas and meet the krampus for photo ops and there's craft fairs and all that but what what really constitutes a krampus lauf per se at least i'm assuming in different parts of the country it might be something different well you know the original meaning i mean klauf just means run or walk um originally they were the krampus would visit the homes with saint nicholas um but then it started people started crossing the main street or using the main street a lot and kind of taking the same route and it ended up kind of turning into a parade which is you know what we have here i guess it's just it means a procession with a bunch of Krampuses who aren't necessarily running and yeah the, i think in a lot of town cities here it turns into kind of a bar crawl i don't know what everybody's doing we don't have a we haven't had a Krampus law for a few years and when we did in la we were kind of penned up on one street I mean, it's it doesn't quite fit in this country. I don't know what everybody else has done. Um, we we kind of do just uh, I wouldn't say we do runs because we basically just do standalone events. Um, we we've tried um with local cities, but the general cost of 
getting a street shut down and getting being able to run and any kind of pyrotechnics, the cost becomes um, very overwhelming. Well, the pyrotechnics, they can't even, they actually have stopped doing those in Europe. I, at least when I wrote my book, they people were telling me that, that it was hard to do those. That's, yeah, that's a deal breaker. But uh, yeah, we, it's definitely a problematic working with the city. It's everything is such a long timetable to you have to plan, start planning in summer. We actually do several things. Uh, like we do some contests, like we do a naughty sack race. Uh we do uh, a Krampus Roaring Contest. We do a, uh, a, a Krampus Costume Contest. And what we do is we break that down because, like I said, we are not traditional by any sense of the imagination. We're all about getting people involved and having fun. So we have, like, cutest Krampus costume, you know, most authentic Krampus costume, most creative Krampus costume, sexiest Krampus costume. And then we do do a parade around the the Fells Point Historic District, which uh, I know you guys aren't from the East Coast, but that is the uh, – place in Baltimore where all the pirates used to hang out back in the day or the privateers, I guess is the proper total. And a lot of the historic bars there are still open. And some of them have been operating since the 1700s as well. And uh, they are, um, a lot of them are, were actually both bars and brothels at the same time. So there's a ghost walk that goes around there all the time. And this year we're actually partnering up with the ghost walk as well. So. Is this like just one big giant like day of revelry or something with the with the crawl and all that, or is this? Do you spread these out over the season? You you posted a, a link to several events that you were hosting in the Baltimore area, and I and I believe one of, I believe somebody else posted you know several events that were happening on different dates throughout December. What are what are some of the other things that you guys do? Well, um, we had our Naughty Night of the Krampus last Saturday, which is a 21-plus event, which is at a bar. And that's a little bit more adult-oriented, as as a title might, you know, leave you to think. Because we have, like, a Krampus dance-off, and then we have a Krampus spanking contest and stuff like that. So that that's always a hoot. And, of course, every single one of our events is also a Toys for Tot donation. So we, we filled up a, a box at that event last night. Uh, we have the Scary Fairy Ball, uh, which is a dance type event, uh, more traditional dancing. And this is at Westminster Burying Ground, which is actually the burying where Edgar Allan Poe is laid to rest. That's going to be this coming weekend. On the second is our Fells Point Krampus Law, which is our big event and more the traditional. On the eighth, we have Creepy Little Christmas, which is at the Howard County fairground museum where uh we actually have an author who's going to be talking about some of the scariest legends throughout christmas throughout different cultures not just germany and we'll be present there for photos as well uh we have the christmas nightmare which is at laurel's house of horrors so that is nothing but a horror themed weekend of christmas so there will be frau perches there there will be black peters there and there of course will be crompuses there as well and then we have a couple neighboring towns that will be visiting their Krampuslofs as well. Uh, and then we have a Krampuslof party, which is where we have a bunch of bands. We have an open buffet and alcohol specials as well. 
And then we close out the season with a winter solstice party, which will be at the Charm City Mead Works. Ed, how about you? What are some of the things that uh, the Ohio Krampus Society is going to be doing over the course of the next few weeks? Um, our events basically start December 1st, but December 1st we're doing, um, it's a shopping district, a historic shopping district in Avon. They do a wine walk. Uh, we'll be there. And then we have a Krampus night at the Cleveland Botanical Gardens on the 2nd. And then from there on out, we're doing um, Chris Kringle Markets, one with the city of East Lake, uh, one with uh, Hudson Lonsberg. Uh, they do a big Chris Kringle Market in downtown Hudson. Um, and Lonsberg's their sister city in Germany. And then um, there's a German bakery here, Reinecker's Bakery, that does a Chris Kringle Market. And we're going to be at that one uh, December 6th. 16th and 17th and that basically wraps us up for the season nice. how about you al i know that la does it big a lot of times what kind of events are uh are you going to be involved in over the next few weeks well uh we're just sort of making our way out of the whole covid tunnel we were dark for a few years because of all the silliness around that uh, um we uh have we do have a, a big event this year we have several events this year we have the Krampus Rumpus, which is, uh, uh, we'll trot out the entire troop for that. And it's held at a brewery, which is, seems, you know, nice in German. Uh, then when we also have invited a, a, a traditional Bavarian Schulplatter dancers, Plattler dancers, which is like, it's that kind of folk dance you might have seen where they, uh, that you know, they come in the Dandel, the Tracht, and the, the, you know, the Lederhosen. And they uh, slap their feet. That's what the name's from, actually. They slap the soles of their shoes. And they also bring out, they have a little musical number they do on uh, with uh, cow-toned cowbells. So that's very appropriate for the Krampus. And they also bring uh, out a ten, the giant 10-foot Al horn, which is, you know, the, in the Ricola commercials is what I have to tell people to know what I'm talking about. So we have that. We're trying to, we try to keep it, you know, kind of traditional, kind of German. Um and uh, we also have an all-girl, all-female uh, band called Lady Hosen from the word Lady Hosen, of course, uh, doing Bavarian songs and Christmas songs and just Oktoberfest songs. And uh, so that's one of our events. That's December 10th in uh, downtown Los Angeles. If anybody wants to get more info, it's at, just go to Krampus Los Angeles, type that in. And then on the 15th and 16th, I'm doing a, a Krampus talk, which is you know based on the content of my book. And uh, we'll have Krampuses there and uh, there's mulled wine and uh, some vendors. And we have uh, a German friend of mine is singing some songs uh, from Nicholas songs from Nicholas Eve that are traditional for the kids there. Uh, and I have we showing the films I mentioned earlier, so kind of a compilation of uh, just uh, curated, you know, weird, weird, fun films I found online that are from Austrian and German troops like the the metal videos and. There's a Krampus yoga video. Uh, what? <laughs> so, yeah. So just kind of uh, curiosities, oddities I found. So video, uh, the illustrated sort of slide video talk that I do on the history. And uh, that's two nights. That's December 15th and 16th. And if you want more info, you can uh, go to Krampus Los Angeles for that. Now, one date I did not hear mentioned was December 5th. That is still traditionally Krampus knocked, is it not? Yeah, that's uh, Nicholas Eve. Yeah, that's when, and the sixth they show up too. 
We don't. Yeah, that's okay. what is. I don't know when does that fall this year. That falls in the middle of the week. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually, if it's in the middle of the week, um, most places do their events on the weekends. So, um, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, any uh, final questions from the host? It looks, looking at the clock here, we do need to start winding this down. Well, if there are no final questions from the host, this is the part of the show we generally like to call the plugs. We're glad that you mentioned a lot of your festivities and all. But for people wanting more information, maybe they'd like to join your groups. Maybe they'd like to attend. Maybe they want to just find out more about Der Krampus, who is obviously becoming bigger and bigger every year. And with groups such as all of yours, it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger, it sounds like, and has definitely ingrained itself in the American culture at this point. But uh, let's start with John. Tell us a little bit more about where can people get more information about Fells Point, Krampuslauf, the Baltimore Krampus, all the interesting things you've got going on in and around the greater Baltimore area, websites, social medias. How can people get more information? Well, you can find me. Um, I am the Baltimore Krampus. Uh and you can also find Fells Point Krampusloff. Uh, we are on Instagram. We are on Threads. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Uh, you can reach us through all those ways to get involved. And like I said, you know, doesn't matter if you've never done this before. You can either come out and observe, or if you want to participate, we've got plenty of loner costumes, and we'll be glad to get you started. And like I said, you know, you could show up in a bathroom with tinfoil horns, and we will welcome you with open arms because we're all about the fun. And you'll get great reception. Ed, tell us about the Ohio Krampus Society. Where can people get more information about that, participate in things, and all things um, Krampus in the state of Ohio? The easiest way to get a hold of us is through our Facebook page, Ohio Krampus Society. Um, we're always looking for people to help out with events, always looking for new Krampuses. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, any help we could get to help spread the message and um, keep the tradition going, we are happy to assist. Maybe we can get Meat Hook Jim involved. So we, we might have to uh, talk to him off the air on that. And Al, I know again, you know, big going, big things going on in Los Angeles. You, you tease that you are writing possibly another book. Hmm. Uh, tell us where people can get more information and uh, maybe they can get a copy of your previous book from one of these sites or somewhere. Yeah, my my book is called The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas and it's available anywhere like at Amazon or whatever. Uh, uh, it uh, came out in 2016 and I'm working on a new book, which will still be a while coming out. It's uh, coming. To, you can get advanced copies in uh, late 2024, but it's not till 2025. Uh, it's called the rites of spring and it's about these the carnival figures i mentioned um but uh you can there, there will be some pre-order uh this year um next year sorry we're already almost out of this year uh and then as far as our events uh, i did mention just go to krampuslosangeles.com and get information on what we're doing i did i did fail to mention i'm also going to be 
at the Milwaukee Krampus Fest, uh, which is, uh, they've been doing that for a number of years, and they have a lot of folks have really good soups out there, and uh, they hold it in an old brewery. I think it's the old Pabst Brewery built by Germans, so that's 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 good, uh, good and authentic. Uh, I'm giving it the talk in the third, and then they have, they have stuff going on, I think, uh, also in the second. Uh, anyway, just Google uh, Milwaukee Krampus for that. Uh, and uh, I, I think that's it for what we're doing this year. And we'll be doing more of the same next year. And I'll bet you the weather will be more conducive in Milwaukee toward wearing those costumes for longer periods of time. Absolutely. But anyway, we want to thank our very special guests, Ed Sutera, Al Ridenauer, and John Long about their involvement with various Krampus groups around the country. More and more of these seem to be popping up every single year in various various places. I know there's one in New England near Storm. I know I believe there's one called Krampus Zinzanati in the Cincinnati area. I know there's a Charlotte Krampus crawl, usually going on in early December. And uh, I don't know if there's one out in uh, Northwest Arkansas. Jonna, we might have to uh, look into that and and find out. But speaking of, we could not do this without our great hosts, including Storm. Uh, if you want the conversation starter this December, make sure you got your Krampus ornaments on a tree and your biblically correct angel on top of it. <laughs> nice. Meat hook, Jim. Uh, I can't follow that one up. It was just too good. Sorry. <laughs> the Old Crone, a.k.a. Jana. Well, we do not have a Krampus festival or anything like that in this area. But I think it would be really awesome if we did. So if anybody's interested, um, give me a shout out. We'll see what we can do for, for maybe uh, Krampus Knocked 2024. We actually helped two other groups get started in Maryland too. We have so there's there is a um an Eastern Shore Krampus and a Greenbelt Krampus that we helped them get started. So we're very proud that we're branching out and uh, hopefully we'll soon swallow the state with Krampuses. That's awesome. It's all about the franchising. You gotta love it. My name is Drew Badger. But for those of you who've never seen the uh, the cool video that I, I talk about every year when we uh, talk about Krampus, I believe it was taken in Graz, Austria, 2008. You can find it on YouTube. It is eight minutes that will completely mesmerize you with just an amazing Krampus lauf that they have going on. The snow is falling. The fireworks are going off the, uh, the Krampus crews or troops or whatever they're called over there. All the costumes are just amazing. And the kids are, uh, I don't think the kids are as scared as some of the adults. But anyway, this is the Round Table of Terror here on The Big Scary Show.
Hi, this is Ed Cetera from Ohio Crumpus Society, Ken, Ohio, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Passion is what drives us. The passion to be the best. For over 10 years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming the driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. Flex props to nine foot giants. Great details, great looks, and great pricing is the foundation we are built on. Our heart beats Halloween and haunts. We are a creepy collection. Let us deliver our passion to your haunted attraction this season. CreepyCollection.com. Now that's creepy. Greetings, Greetings listeners, listeners, and welcome. And welcome. Watch out. Don't Watch trip out. over, Don't that, trip torso. over that, torso. that torso. It's time, it's time. for Between, between the, the Corpses. corpses. Hello, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here, and we are continuing our journey down the road of torture and execution, and we are finally coming up to the 20th century. The 20th century saw the advent of the United Nations and human rights watchdog Amnesty International. Te technological leaps made communication and travel easier than ever. Political barriers were thrown up then torn down. All the evidence pointed to a new enlightened age. Alas, execution and torture were not consigned to history. Indeed, those in favor of the death penalty became increasingly entrenched. Human rights remained subject to appalling abusers. In the new millennium, things seemed set to change. Since 1985, more than 35 countries have scrapped capital punishment or restricted its application. Only four countries that abolished the death penalty have reintroduced it. One, Nepal, had yet another change of heart and banned it. Some have bowed to political pressure. In order to join the Council of Europe, a country must ban the death penalty. Desire to become a part of the council has led to the Ukraine and Georgia stopping ex executions. Death row prisoners have had their punishments commuted to life. In one of his last acts as president, Boris Yeltsin commuted the death sentence for all 716 prisoners on Russia's death row. For some, the fresh approach appears to have its roots in a genuine desire to east off the shackles of the past and move forward into a new era. Public opinion, particularly in America, where support for the death penalty has been traditionally strong, appears to be mollifying. Illustrating the cross-cultural nature of the issue, the president of Malawi has recently declared he would never sign a death warrant. Life is sacred. It is only for God to take, not for me. And when 
Turkmenistan abolished the death penalty. President Sapamurar Nayaz stated, Now, in our country, neither the government nor anyone else has the right to take away a human life. That's a pretty powerful statement in my opinion. We will catch you on the next episode. No one wanted to talk about it. No one would admit they had seen or heard it. The law told them to quit asking questions or leave town. Maybe folks felt if they didn't talk about the thing, it would go away. But these curious college boys wouldn't stay away from Black Lake. And that was a mistake. The creature from Black Lake is coming to a theater near you, a Jim McCullough production. Hello everyone, Drew Badger here. We're live in Orlando, Florida at IAPA. And of course, one of our very fine sponsors of the Roundtable of Terror is HauntPay, parent company Passage Inc., I guess, LLC. I don't know, Passage is their name. And they always have a nice presence here at IAPA. And of course, the big cheese of that is Alex Linebrink. He was just on our show a few weeks ago on Big Scary News talking about the, the way that the season has been going and how he was looking at his, you know, real-time stats, and like four or five thousand people were using the, the system at the time. And I think he actually managed to double that one of the nights of the season and hit like ten thousand people on Haunt Pay's site buying tickets at the time. It was fascinating to know. And he's also got some really neat stuff here. But Alex is graciously taking a few minutes away from from uh, his busy, busy schedule to talk to us. Alex. Good to see you again, as always. Great to see you, Drew. Thanks a ton. Yeah, man. It's uh, I, I want to offer you congratulations. You know, we did that interview, and then like two weeks later, you doubled your projections. You were like, I hope we get 5,000 people talking, and suddenly you post out there, we've got over 10,000 people on the site buying tickets right now. That That's crazy insane. Yeah, uh, it was massive numbers this year. That's definitely something that we saw this year that was different from years past. All of a sudden, people are all rushing to buy at the same time. I think it's becoming that kind of last-minute thing as they're walking out the door. Not exactly sure what the reasoning is there, but we hit over 10,000 people at one time on the site buying tickets, and we actually did that a couple, uh, both Saturdays. What do you want to do tonight after dinner, hon? You want to go to a movie? I don't know. Hey, how about a haunted house? Great idea. Click, 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 click. <laughs> Boom. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's gotten so easy to do this stuff on a mobile device, you know, on your laptop, whatever it takes. It's that quick. Now, we were talking at the booth a little bit, and you showed me this demo. This is, like, scary cool. You have got, I don't know what its name is, but it is some technology <laughs> where... I can't even explain this. Please tell me what I was looking at because I see this to be an amazing, an amazing thing that's probably going to be ready before Transworld. Yes, definitely ready before Transworld. Uh, so far, we're just calling this the Passage Bot. We we got to come up with a better name. I know that. Uh, but what this is is it's a, a contest. It should be. Ooh, that's a good idea. I, I like that. I like. That. <laughs> uh, we, we owe you a rev share here on, uh, when that, we get the winner here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, so the, the way this works, we've actually created this AI assistant that you can use to not only, um, you know, look at your data on your events, but also to manage your events. So you can go in and say, hey, how many, sale, how many uh, tickets did I sell uh, last year versus this year for this event? And it'll tell you, just in plain English, it'll tell you. You can say, put that into a chart for me, and it'll do that for you. On your phone. 
Um, you can do it on your phone. You can do it on your laptop. Anywhere in that you can time. access your Passage Admin in real time, it'll do this for you. You can even ask it, hey, can you edit my event because I need a VIP pass for tonight at 8 o'clock that's $40, and it'll go set that up for you so you don't have to do anything, you don't have to talk to anyone. Of course, our support team is still there, more than happy to help out, but man, this does it so fast, it is uh, super helpful. Now, does that only work online? Like if you were saying, you know, I need to do a special VIP for $40 on Saturday night for 8 o'clock time slots. That's only buying tickets online at a particular attraction? Um, No, it would actually edit your event setup throughout uh, the the whole platform. So whether you're using HauntPay for haunted stuff or Passage for non-haunted stuff, your event setup, um, it's going to distribute that to your mobile devices too. So it would be available for at-the-door passes. Of course, if you wanted it for sale at the door as well, you'd be able to tell it if you only wanted it online or only wanted it available at the door. So you could tell people, hey, we have special online deals so you don't have to go stand in line at the ticket window and then you can actually put in that quote-unquote special price. Might be might be this price at 8 o'clock, might be this price at 9 o'clock because it's so much busier and, you know... That, that's genius. Exactly. I mean, that's the genius of time ticketing already, which we highly advocate for. We've been doing time ticketing for nearly a decade now. Um, we were one of the first out there with this technology. But, yeah, now the ability to just e- so easily set it up by literally uh, one sentence question to the passage bot or whatever we end up uh, calling it there, uh, it, it just makes it all the more powerful. Send your uh, ideas for the uh, chatbot's name to... Uh hauntpay.com courtesy of Alex or something we'll uh, we'll figure something out but that's that's a, it's a neat concept and you literally could change your prices by the hour based on need i mean if you're having a real slow night you could say okay everybody saves 10% now and you could put that out on your social media for that particular haunt hey if you buy a ticket tonight it's 10% off and boom you've already changed the ticket price so they don't have to go in there and add a code or anything like that it's automatically done for you exactly it would wow. be that quick that easy and sometimes to figure out whether or not you want to do that stuff you need that data analysis portion you're saying like hey are my sales up or down versus last thursday or whatever you know the case may be and if the bot tells you hey your sales are actually up by the hour right now you're trending up by five percent maybe you decide you don't need to do a special but if they're trending down five percent you're like all right let's do a quick deal here that's fantastic and you're predicting this will be ready. You said it's going to be ready by Transworld, but do you have a specific rollout date for this? Yeah, I think our, our reporting section of this, so the ability to analyze your data, at least that portion will be done by the end of this year. And then we hope to follow with uh, by Transworld again, you know, in the first couple months of next year. We'll have that ability to actually edit your events with the help of this wizard as well. What about people doing, say, Valentine's Day haunts? Would they maybe have access to this as kind of beta testing it, or would this really kind of have a big official rollout at transfer. Yeah, I can't promise all the bells and whistles would be there on the Valentine's, but you'd have access to a lot of it by that point in time, but I think it would be valuable, yeah. That, 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 I can't wait to see this in action. This just yeah. seems like a fantastic thing. For people wanting more information about this, maybe if you're not even running a haunted event, maybe you're putting on, you know, and a lot of haunts do this, maybe you're putting on a special concert or you're putting on a festival at your place and you need a good ticketing system it's not just haunt pay, it's passage and all that. How can people get all that information? Yeah, for the non-haunted side of things, head over to our passage website, and that's at gopassage.com. So G-O-P-A-S-S-A-G-E.com. 
Um, you can always email me. I'm alex at gopassage.com. We're Go Passage on all the social media. But then, of course, for the haunted side, it's just hauntpay.com, hauntpay on all the social media, and you'll find us there as well. So, so send in those ideas to alex at gopassage.com. <laughs> there you go. I like that, yeah. Excellent. Alex, always a pleasure to speak yeah, to you like here that. at the uh, for the Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger. We're here in IAPA in Orlando, Florida, having a really cool time, just hanging out with all the cool kids, and we're out. Red Crow Design. Body Freezer on the Big Scary Show. This is Al Reitenauer from Krampus, Los Angeles, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook.
This is the old crone, and I am speaking now with Charlie Bookout, the owner of Carpenter's Mortuary. So, Charlie, what led to your decision to actually bring in investigators to check this building out? Oh, well, probably experiences that I've had, um, and also just the nature of the building. It just seemed like the perfect place for for paranormal investigators to come and check out and, and stay the night with their equipment and see what kind of evidence they can find. So they had been here before and found some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. What is your impression of why this building is, is haunted? You know, other than just what people would assume, which is, you know, a, a mortuary, an old funeral home, sounds spooky, so it's liable to be haunted. I, I think probably just all of the years of activity, um, the building was built in 1929 and was a functioning funeral home up until about the mid-60s, so there was a lot going on here. But that's not all the building was. Um, portions of it were also uh, Gentry's Mercantile. I mean, you could come here and buy um, your groceries or furniture, dry goods, stuff like that. So uh, throughout a, a big portion of the mid-20th century, it was kind of a hub of activity for the local area. So... I, I guess I just feel like, you know, when you have a structure that gets that old, that has that much activity in it, that, you know, it lends itself to the possibility of such things. Now, see, my first thought is, why would a mortuary, while it sounds scary, why would it be haunted? Because typically hauntings take place where people die. But it's a mortuary, so they're already dead by the time they get here. So do you think their energy is traveling with them, or do you think it's the energy from the mourners that's something that i've actually thought about before um if you know during a funeral um and of course i'm sure there's many many theories about this but if if you do have a lot of people that are at a, a very heightened state of emotion um that perhaps that sort of thing could could uh you know, stick in the plaster of the walls right they tend to say. and so that's one of the things david is going to do tonight he said he's going to Try to heighten the emotion and fear level by sending people through your haunt and get that energy up and see if that helps to bring out something else. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I, I think it's a pretty cool experiment. Yeah, I do too. So yeah, For sure. So what would, you, um, what would you recommend or say to other haunted attractions that are in old buildings about exploring that part of, of the history of their building? Oh, I think they totally should, um, just to find out for themselves. I, I you know, um, I, I feel like it's a really great idea to get the experts involved. You know, we can those of us who aren't ghost hunters or, or paranormal researchers or whatever can have our our thoughts and you know our experiences. You know, if we're in, you know, haunted house owners that are inside all hours of the day and night, uh, oftentimes by ourselves. Um, hammering away at building scenery and special effects and props, and suddenly you can have the, the hair on the back of your neck stand up or just feel some sort of mm -hmm. entity or whatever, but um, these are the folks that, that really know what they're doing, and they, they have the equipment and they have the experience to, to, to sort of determine, you know, you know what, what sort of activity is this. So I think it's a great idea for haunted house owners that, particularly like you said, that are in old buildings to seek out uh, researchers like David Glidden um, to come and check out what's going on. Yeah, see, I like that you're not like, oh, well, let's let's just let a bunch of people come.
come in and roam around and ghost hunt all willy-nilly. I, I don't think that would be a good idea. I like that you're bringing in experts mm -hmm. who know what they're doing so that they can guide and, and lead people um, through the process and help to debunk or accentuate, you know, things that are actually happening to get to the to the bottom of them. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm excited about this. Me too. And, and I, um, I really wish I could stay all night, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I can't wait to hear all the stories afterwards, so. Me too. <laughs> even you. though, even though it's it's funny when, when when paranormal researchers come in, and then I've got to be the one to live with with what they've found. <laughs> so you know, I, I'm I'm in there, you know, at midnight working on a prop or something, and then I suddenly remember this this little bit of evidence that, and then you get the heebie-jeebies. So <laughs> well, just message me and say, tell me I'm not hearing this. Tell yeah. me I'm not hearing this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks so much. This is Alex Linderbrink with Passage, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. There we go. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger. We are live at IAPA in Orlando, Florida. And who do we happen to run into? One of our very fine sponsors, Composite FX, a.k.a. CFXMasks.com. Always have a ton of great stuff at Transworld. They have a little smaller booth at IAPA than oh, they normally do there. It's a micro booth here, and unfortunately, Tabitha and Josh, who we normally talk to, are not here, but we'll just have to set, no, there's no settling, of course. We got Ken Decker here. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about you, man? Um, just walked in the doors maybe 20 minutes ago. I've made it to this point, and I see you guys out here. I see the imp, and I see a couple of other cool things here, but uh, I'm guessing you have some really cool new masks that you're bringing out between now and Transworld. Yeah, we absolutely do. We're actually, um, so some of your viewers may know, some may not. Uh, we've started sculpting um, with a robot now in addition to physical hand sculptors. What, um, what we is? Could, we could talk a little bit more about that later. Okay. Um, but one of the things that that's really going to let us do and, and what we're aiming for, and we've already started for it with the, uh, our most recent release of The Dead, um, is we're going to be coming out with a new mask every two weeks. Um, really? And we're hoping to do that indefinitely. Yeah, so you can look forward to 26 new masks this year. Holy cow. Um, are any of those the ones on display here? Because no, all no. of these look very familiar. Yeah, all of these are some of our older masks. Uh, here at, at, at IAPA, um, we're really promoting the custom character side of the booth, so we're not necessarily trying to sell any of our existing characters, but more or less some of the, the people that uh, you know have... Themed attractions know that if they need any uh, character theming, um, that we're here to help with that. Excellent. So a new mask every two weeks, so 26 a year indefinitely. Yep. That, and, that's, and, and that's, uh, that's, that's, that's what we want to do for a minimum. Um, so, uh, and in addition to uh, the robot um, and our in-house sculptor, um, we do still have an in-house human being sculptor. Uh, a lot of people are, are, are worried that we're getting rid of that, and we're not. Uh, we're just letting that guy be able to do more sculpts and concentrate on the detail end of the sculpt um, rather than having to build the whole sculpt from the ground up. So when you release a mask, is it going to be one that's quote-unquote mass-produced or is something you release might be a one or short run for a particular company? No, all, everything that we're going to be releasing to uh, the public is going to be available for regular production. Um we're also going to be bringing in some guest sculptors over the next year. 
Um, I can't see any names right name any names right now. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but uh, um, you know, so we'll we'll be doing that as well. So twenty six, I think, is going to be the minimum. Um, maybe more. We'll see. Um, and with the robot, it'll let us explore um, a little more technical aspects of um, some masks, uh, as well as now we'll be able to. Uh, do some business with like animatronic companies and whatnot, and they can send us um, files for the understructure of what their animatronics look like, and we can match it perfectly to that. Very nice. Now, if you put the right music in the studio, does the robot do the robot while he does the work? It does not. That I would have. Oh. I would have to write that code, and if I write any new code first, it's going to be pour me a beer. <laughs> Well, you know, had to ask. But anyway, well, we'll certainly find out more about the robot, I guess, down the road. Maybe we'll chat at Transworld and find out because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. But for people wanting more information on whether you want to do a custom silicon, very high-quality mask, maybe for a couple of your lead characters, or you need to buy a 1,000 imp masks, who knows? How can they get more information through websites, et cetera? Uh, yes, our, our website uh, or our email address is info at compositeeffects.com. Um, Is that the word effects or F-E-F-E-C-T-S. Excellent. Uh, take 16 letters to spell. Effects is plural. There's two E's in the middle. <laughs> there you go. Um, or you can go to uh, cfxmasks.com. Masks is plural. Um, and you can find us there as well. Uh, we're also available on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok. All the socials. All the socials, yeah. Excellent. Ken, it's always a pleasure to speak to CFX here. A Absolutely. very fine sponsor. We thank you so much for your support. We'll be looking to hopefully re-up again at Transworld, but we will definitely learn more about that as time goes on. Remember, folks, if you want to see something new coming out of out of CFX, just wait two weeks, and, I, and I'm sure you will. Once again, folks, my name is Drew Badger. We're here at IAPA in Orlando, Florida for the Big Scary Show, and we are out. Dr. Frankenstein found the secret of life, but he lost control. Now, in a screen thriller, Frankenstein's castle of freaks, his monstrous creations, fantastic creatures break free. See Rosanna Brazzi, Michael Dunn, Edmund Purdom, and international beauty Christiane Royce in Frankenstein's castle of freaks. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Verse 13. Lighted on the Big Scary Show.
Hi, my name is Ken Decker with Composite Effects, cfxmasks.com. Uh, we're here at the uh, IAPA Expo Center, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karen.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios Creepy Collection Dark Imaginings Fright Finder Haunt Pay Von Caron Productions and VFX creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabbitbadger.org. Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at wrestlehorror.com. And Storm, Rants and more, hauntminute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show, LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves. <laughs>